Welcome to the Tech Ranch, where we explore the world of living with technology. Get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets, apps, and innovations with your hosts, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, and his trusty co-host, Steve Botkin. Join us on this exciting journey, and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to the Tech Ranch. So imagine this, Steve, getting out of the car. There's no steering wheel. There's no gas pedal, no brake pedal, none of that. Would you would you trust getting in the car that you would say, take me to my coffee shop? And there are none of these devices that you could take the car over with. No, not right now. Okay. I'm just, just curious how you'd feel about that. So Tesla's actually making their robotic car. They're gearing up. So this is interesting. So Tesla is, Elon has come out and stated that he's going to make a $25,000 electric car. And in the same gigabit plant, he's going to create a robotic car that has none of these features. It's truly voice-driven, basically. You're going to tell it where to go. There are no, there's no way, maybe they'll have some type of emergency button that you can push to stop it or something. Uh, but other than that, you can't take the car over. So it'll be like riding in the passenger seat when my wife's driving and I'm stepping on that phantom brake pedal all the time. Something like that, yes. You know, it, it, it'll be actually very similar to that because you just listen to Wendy when she says go someplace, right? You might ride, you are, you are the robot in the car. Now imagine, imagine the car just becoming that. Wow. I know. I, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I, of course, I've been in a lot of autonomous vehicles, and I would probably trust this more than others. But I think a lot of people are going to have a hard time getting into a car uh, that they're not used to. The younger generation, when they grow up and this is just normal, they're not even going to think anything about it. But I think the generation coming through this, it's going to be interesting to see if people will actually adapt to this. Well, one of the things I'm thinking of is so in not so much in rural or, or smaller communities, but in big cities, there's really not because I, I remember back. OK, I'm 14 learner's permit, 15, good to go, 16, my full fledged driver's license at kind of a, a, a rite of passage, getting that car and that driver's license and freedom. And, and that onus isn't there anymore. You go to the bigger cities and it's like, eh. I need a driver's license for it. I agree with that. Wait, and so now do you do your driver's license for this car? So that's an interesting question. And I think this will be something that will be debated for a little bit. But I would imagine sooner or later, it'll be treated like a taxi cab. Yeah, the car is driving or like an Uber. Yeah. What do I need a license for? And a couple of years ago in the policies that are policies for for driving i don't remember you know like where we live we have the century code right in north dakota but on the federal level uh the department of transportation i don't know what their guideline book is called but they removed human from the driving equation so yes so it you do not have to be in a vehicle anymore that is driven by a human being as long as a dog can drive as long as the car is obeying the rules of the road it doesn't matter. Isn't that interesting? So yes, you could have your dog, and I know you'd be excited about this, actually. And you know, there'll be there'll be people that are gonna. I can see it already. You know, they're in the robot uh, car put out by Tesla. They'll put a fake steering wheel in there, 
and they'll have their dog sit behind the wheel as it's driving down the road. Like, Mom, I wasn't that. driving. <laughs> but it's, I think it's interesting. And, and, uh, of course, when you remove all these things out of the car, then you have, you know, what can you do within the vehicle then, right? I mean, is it going to be, I can see vehicles coming out that are transportation vehicles. And you and I have talked about this before. Uh, if, if at nine or 10 o'clock at night, you hopped in a, a car, I have my quotation hands up now, right? A car. I can see those. Okay. Thanks. And, uh, um, and it takes you to Minneapolis, right? From where we're at, which is, you know, if you're on the south or the east side of Minneapolis from where you and I live right now, it would probably be a seven to eight hour drive. Well, imagine this happening in the car. And, and, uh, when you wake up, you're, you're in the city, you're in the Twin Cities. Grab your pillow and your blankie. I, oh, wait, 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 that, that's no different than when my wife and I go someplace and she's going to let me have the radio on because she needs yes. to take a nap. So yeah, nothing, she's going to sleep in the car. Nothing changes for you. You're the robot. No, nothing yeah. changed for me. I'm the robot. <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting though, because if you're looking at the autonomous side of things, it's, it, so you're taking the human out of that. Um, you know, taking a half a step back and going old school, I was just reading another article last week about some guy on a horse that got a DUI. Because, <laughs> well, if you think about it, the horse is driving, right? That's correct. The horse knows where the barn's at. The horse knows where to go. Um, if you're taking human out of the equation, it's like the car is driving. Yeah. Uh, what, what does that do to... To the legal ramifications of drinking and driving and 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 open container in a vehicle. I, there's a lot of states that I think would you're going to have to look at rewriting rewriting law books. Of course, of course. I mean the 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 mode of transportation is changing right before our eyes, and uh, the laws are going to have to reflect that. So if you're not in control of the car, maybe you're in the back seat or whatever. I mean, are you allowed to have a beer, for example, in the car again? Uh, because you're not. And no, this. As of right now, this does not get the guy off the hook from Florida or Wisconsin on his riding lawnmower. <laughs> not uh, th- well, maybe maybe if he well, those stories pop up all the time. Yeah. As somebody from Wisconsin or Florida, that, that's where they come from. Um, unless you're on a Yarbo, then right. Yeah, you okay. Yes, I, I had to throw out my Yarbo plug, and because you and I haven't been together on the show for a while. Oh, by the way, hello, Stevie. Yeah. Hi, Marlo. Who are you? It's, it's, it's great. Nice to meet you. It's great for, <laughs> for the two of us to actually be back on our own radio show. It is. <laughs> Together, finally. Schedule a little time. busy and little, uh, little you had to fill in. I've had to fill yeah. in. Yeah. It's, and others have filled in. Nice to see you again. Good to see you as well. So, yeah, I think uh, uh, the vehicle landscape is changing literally right before our eyes. And I think there's going to be a lot of changes as we move forward. I look at, and I know people across the country listen to us, and we talk a lot about where you and I live. We live in Bismarck, Mandan, North Dakota. Um, it's basically a little bit of a, a metro area in basically a rural setting. And, you know, one of the challenges that we have, and and I know you've run into this too, and I used to do this all the time. I would just take a Lyft or an Uber to the airport and then use that on the way back, right? But I can't, it's like every time I've done that in the last four or five times I've traveled, I cannot, there's nobody available in the time frame that I have to get to the airport. So then I end up driving over myself anyway. I think a robot uh, scenario, an autonomous vehicle uh, for rideshare 
is a, a significant answer to our transportation issues that we have in our area. There's a couple things I want to touch on there because uh, former mayor of Bismarck and, um, you know, I watched the Uber and Lyft phase come into the community and there was a big push and basically it put the taxi services out of business. That's true. We, That's we lost correct. the taxis. And then through COVID and work, work for, I would get a phone call at least once a month because somebody would fly in for business into our community and not have transportation for the airport. It's like, couldn't get a taxi. Yep. There's nobody working for Uber or Lyft or, and sorry, I, I, I didn't know how to, to deal with that because, you know, the Uber and Lyft put the taxi service out of business. So if somebody doesn't want to work, then what do you do? Right. Uh, so if, if there wasn't somebody on duty at 11 o'clock at night when a flight came in, um, you're stuck. I mean, the only solution was, are you staying at a hotel with, with uh, a courier service, you know, with, with the ability to, to go pick you up? Yeah. Because that was what the option turned into. And I know a had time when I've, when I've flown in late at night, cause you know, we have, we're connector, we're a connector community, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, uh, pick up the last flight coming into Denver or Minneapolis or whatever, and then you have that, 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. flight that you're landing in Bismarck at midnight. And there are plenty of times that there are no uh, ride shares because of that. So then you end up, uh, I've given lots of people rides home because I've had a car there, you know, and they can't get a hold of a Lyft or an Uber to, to finish up that last mile or two to get them home. So is that when you turn the light on in the windshield? Yeah, I need to do that actually. I should like have a little, yeah. yeah. Yeah, give me, give me a hundred bucks. I can take you. Just for riding home from the airport. <laughs> Some people. You know, are- one of the other things too is, and I, I discussed this with our, our road engineer, our city engineer when I was the mayor, uh, because we were starting to look at what parking, cause I, one of the things I went through and did was change the parking constraints. Um, what does parking look like? What is, um, different land uses look like because if you take a look at the future now you've got the robotic car so you have your vehicle drop you off at work and it goes home to charge it doesn't sit there that's correct at your place of business or where you're working so you don't need a parking space for that yeah Uh, and i'm thinking like in urban settings where parking's at a premium Uh, so you know or your robotic car goes and picks up your groceries on the way before it comes back and picks you up for lunch. There's not a sedentary place that you need to park a vehicle in the not distant future. Your your car actually almost becomes a part of your family where it's the transportation model. Uh, and, and, you know, if you have kids in school and in your calendar, it shows that the kids need to get picked up at 315 in the afternoon from school. The car will leave your house at three o'clock and go pick them up, drop them off at home or drop them off at grandma's or wherever they're supposed to go. And then it'll come and pick you up at five o'clock. And, and, uh, it'll, and like you said, it'll go pick up the groceries beforehand. It will actually go and maybe pick up that pizza from Domino's, uh, as it's on the route to pick you up. So when you get home, you have your, your dinner ready. You have all of the stuff ready to go. If I'm not driving, I'm going to have that pizza gone before we get home. <laughs> and you have that six- no doubt and about it. That's the beard chilling in the back, right? Well, yeah. Does, does the robotic car come with a fridge? You know, 
I guarantee you that this, these are the things that are going to happen. Heck, there might even be a pizza oven in the back of some of these things after a while. In fact, Ooh, uh, you know, it's, it's funny that we bring that up. Some of these pizza joints are actually uh, developing autonomous vehicles that will cook the pizza en route. You mentioned Domino's, they, that little that's that little autonomous vehicle that yes. they've got for delivery. Is that's exactly what they're doing. Yep. yep. So it'll be fun to see how delivery with autonomous vehicles are going to go as well. I'm looking forward to that pipe and hot pizza being delivered. Welcome back to the Tech Ranch. Let's get back to discovering the latest in technology with the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. So are you familiar with Starlink? I am, yeah, because of the political ramifications during the Ukrainian war that's going on, that there was a big push on, hey, why isn't Starlink working? And Elon Musk said, well, because it's kind of dangerous, because you can track people. Interesting. I didn't, I wasn't aware of that, I guess. But, but yeah, so Starlink, of course, is an internet service provider um, that is satellite based, and. They're not, they're not, uh, they've deployed, I forget how many satellites now. I, sh- I, I, I should have looked that up, but the idea was is that there, there will be a satellite in asynchronous orbit, uh, that will actually, there'll be enough satellites up there that will actually cover the entire Earth. So every time, um, you know, SpaceX has been putting satellites up, uh, on these different flights, they'll deploy 20, 30, 50. In fact, you've probably seen, the string of satellites sometimes when they deploy them, you know, it looks like this big streak going across the sky at night has freaked out a few people because it looks like this continuous meteor going across the sky. So is this the the same satellites that from Independence Day, the aliens can use against that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly the same one. Yeah, just so you know what we're talking about here. Yeah. So I had to ask. Yeah. Uh, so this, this web, this network is, is being deployed. And I think they're pretty close to having that done now. Uh, what's interesting is that the number of people signing up for Starlink is not like it's supposed to be. So they were expecting that, uh, uh, in 2022, that SpaceX, uh, SpaceX predicted that Starlink would make 12 billion and cross 20 million subscribers in 2022. However, it actually generated 1.4 billion and has, um, oh my goodness. I forget how many subscribers. So but obviously the, a lot less like, than, well, go ahead. So this is supposed to be like, in like rural. So I, I'm thinking kind of HughesNet was kind of a, uh, uh, failed or, or reinvented and not performed the way it was. Kind of a rural, um, here's the option if you're not connected to fiber or traditional internet, uh, this, this is another option. Yes. Uh, but this is, of course, uh, okay, instead of by last year, Starlink had, had over 1 million active subscribers, but they expected it to be 20 million by this time. Uh, so it's interesting that it hasn't been, as um, robust, I guess, in the numbers that uh, they expected to switch over to it. I, you know, I think more than anything else, uh, I think the, the challenge that Starlink has over like our cable companies is speed. And, you know, when you're starting to talk about gigabit service, now five gig, 10 gig uh, service, I mean, that is significant speeds. 
And Starlink, I think, is capable of some of those speeds, but it's not uh, ever going to keep up with, you know, fiber that's coming to homes and businesses. I think that's the challenge that they have. So you're right. So, it's 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 a it's a solution for rural that doesn't have fiber coming to their place. So we had this conversation uh, a while back about um, technology that maybe they were a little before their time, or they just other technologies caught up, or they got passed. It was a great idea, but timing was off. Could this be one of those? Yeah, and I think that you know you have to understand that you know like again where you and I live. You and I are blessed when it comes to internet speeds, you know, because I'm sure when you've traveled, you've run into scenarios where it's uh, significantly less. I'm always stunned when I go to Las Vegas, for example, and I can barely get a dial-up speed sometimes. It just is astounding <laughs> to me. Uh, and I know they probably do it on purpose because they want you to be gambling or whatever, but it is it is difficult to work there when you're used to the speeds that, that I'm used to at home, right? And... So it's challenging. Uh, Starlink, by the way, uh, speeds of 25 to 220 Mbps. So, I mean, it's it's adequate for streaming uh, video. I think, you know, you want to be about at 150 to 100 if you're going to be, you know, streaming Netflix or something in your home. But it uh, uh, when you're talking about speed, like I said, of a gig or five gig, moving big files or whatever, it's slow. It's slower than what they can be. So, and, and upload speeds are typically between 5 and 20 Mbps, megabits per second. So it's significantly slower. If I was going to move a file to you, for example, at 5, that would be, you know, let, let's say I wanted to move a video to you. Know, oh, my goodness. That would take forever to make that happen. So... They have some speed challenges, but it is significantly better than dial-up. I mean, you have to understand that. So, But I miss the AOL tone. <laughs> you just missed miss it. Can. You got mail. Uh, you got mail. Uh, d- d- by the way, have you talked to the Vegas folks about getting uh, hotels built without windows? Because you don't need them? No. Okay, I just haven't. Well, that's really, uh, have you been following oh, yeah. that? about the uh, cyber attacks there. Yeah. Isn't that so? Tell you what, you talk about the ability to... Where that could trickle down to is... is, Do you feel safe walking into a casino or a hotel or anywhere out in public with your electronic device? Of course. Because some some of those attacks, it's like... Wherever you go, it's like, hey, I just lost all my information. Like, you I, I was just talking to a friend that was there a couple of weeks ago, and he got sca- scammed. It's yeah. all it's financial, and then he's like, I didn't use the card anywhere. Makes you wonder. Well, you know, when you got RFIDs in your cards and all this other stuff, I mean, it's real easy to get the have them read through your back pocket and and all of this stuff. So, yeah, this well, that, I, that's a great question. Do, do you do you trust the here tap your just tap your card? It's great because. There's that information transference that uh, somebody could bump into you. It's I mean, it's really easy. So, yes and no. I, you know, here we are. Our ADHD is really showing. We're going everywhere here, but that's okay. So, I like... World's ruled by squirrels. That's right. That's right. The, uh, the show. The tapping of your card on a card reader, 
I trust that better than sliding the card in because I have been scammed a few times, like at gas pumps or whatever. Somebody will have attached a, a little reader as well when you slide it in and back out, and they can read your. Yeah, I always check. I always look. But those things have gotten smaller. Some of those now are just, you know, just like micro size. They actually put them uh, on the inside track. They're almost, almost impossible to, to check now because of the size of those things some of them were actually a module that you put over the top of them you know so people when they went to the atm right would slide the car and get their money out and also had their information read and then people could go to the atm and make up their own card and, and use it of course uh so the tapping mechanism stops all of that from happening uh but the downside to it is that it's it's a little easier uh, for somebody who can actually just walk up behind you and have some type of reader and get within, you know, they accidentally bump you or visit with you for a couple seconds, and then they're scanning your card at the same time. Pickpocketing has gotten to an entirely different level. It's a different level, yeah. So you can buy billfolds or card holders or whatever that are RFID protected, and if you're concerned about that, I would highly recommend that you do that. They're not that terribly expensive, 20, 30 bucks. Put your cards in there and then you have a little peace of mind uh, that they can't be read while you're out in public. So the tinfoil that I use for my hat doesn't cut it? It's a, that's actually a good question. I wonder if you wrap your purse or your billfold in tinfoil, if that would actually work. I'm going to check into that. It's a new fashion trend. And we're back at the Tech Ranch as we explore the cutting edge of tech with Marlo and Steve. For more exclusive content, visit thetechranch.com. So the aluminum foil thing that you just brought up is interesting. And I, I think before we get into whether it's a myth or not uh, with using aluminum foil, you have to think about more than just your credit card, right? Your key fobs now are the same technology. You know, do you have like like the car I'm renting right now, right? I walk up to it. And when I'm in electric, so it's not electric. <laughs> Learn that lesson. All right. Oh my goodness. I don't have any news stories, by the way, but anybody who wants to get a good laugh, go back like two or three shows ago and listen to my one hour rant on electric vehicles. Oh my goodness. Uh, Her second one hour rant yeah, on electric yes. You have multiple stories. I do. About I do. It's so frustrating. Trying to get them recharged. Um, but where I'm at right now, I'm in Washington. I'm north of Seattle, and, and the place I'm staying at has chargers everywhere. I mean, every every parking block has at least a couple of chargers. So I would imagine charging them would be a little easier here. But anyway, uh, but your your key fob now too works on the same technology. You get within a couple of uh, inches or a foot or two of your car, and you can open up your door now, or it recognizes you as you get closer. Right. So your car information i mean stealing your car is a different scenario now too because it's more about reading your key fob than it is about uh you know crossing the wires or whatever whatever people used to do or or jacking a key right so so it's interesting and and one of the things that people always say is is when you leave your car don't push the uh car lock on your car you know so you get that that horn that sounds when you walk your car right you should do it while you're at the car because there are people who can have readers in a parking lot for example as soon as you push that they know the frequency and how to get into your car 
just so you know. Use the fob. If you if you use the fob with you know away from your car and you push the lock on your let's say you walk away and you're like oh I forgot to, I forgot to uh, lock my car and you're 50 feet away from it and you push that that I do that all the time that signal can be intercepted by people and then they can use that to unlock your car. Well, it's like back in the day when uh, people would uh, go around neighborhoods and hijack your garage yeah. before they figured out how to secure garage door signals because that and, was kind of the same thing and yeah and and that is still possible by the way too uh you know as sophistication gets better on our devices the of course the crooks become more sophisticated as well uh, but it's always best to lock your car uh, while you're at your car because then you're not wirelessly transmitting anything so see i always do that i push the button yeah, on the door yeah. i make sure the door is locked and then as I'm walking away, I always hit the fog, just, just to double sure. check and make sure it's still locked. Well, I got to stop doing that. You need to you need to trust your your uh, that you locked it the first time, you know. So, uh, so yeah. So if you wrap your stuff in aluminum foil, let's say like your wallet or your purse, uh, so you can thwart would be scammers, whatever, from stealing your stuff, doesn't work. Really? Nope. Does not work. So. Does it make a difference if it's shiny side out or the the dull side out? That's funny that Does you ask that. Make no difference. Uh, so the reason that people think it would block RFID, uh, aluminum foil is a conductor of electricity, and almost any conductor blocks radio waves because radio waves are a form of electromagnetic radiation. So the idea, and it does partially reflect or refract. So there is a little protection. And my, and my guess would be that if you're, you know, if if maybe it would activate at at two feet normally, and uh, or or six inches or whatever it is, and and you wrap your stuff, and there maybe maybe it only works at four inches now, so you're not going to get total protection. It does help a little bit. So I guess as long as the shiny side's out. That's right. Shiny side has to be out. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I've always been wondering that I, I, like, cooking because I, I I cook a lot. Is it does it cook better if the shiny side's in or out when you're doing a hot dish or something? I've always wondered that, that too, and I always put the shiny shiny side in to reflect the heat back. See, I always do that too. Because I think the shiny side on the outside would reflect it back the other way right now. There's probably no science to that at well, all. Heat is radiation. So I, I, that's why I would just think the shiny side should be redirecting that radiation back towards the food you're trying yes. to cook. So there's, there's some materials that are out there that you can get. Uh, one of them is called RFID Secure. It's a composite film. And uh, this film can be put into a purse. It can be put into your billfold. Um, what you have to do is you have... So RFID, NFC, which is another one, contactless, Bluetooth, all of these things. Bluetooth is probably the most popularly known, but RFID and NFC are technologies. Like NFC is used in your phone when you go and pay for something with your phone. Okay. So obviously... I trust that either. Obviously, all of these things can be be uh um stolen these these signals but but they're all of them are designed to be close contact right so bluetooth over the last no originally that was supposed to be like three feet then it got to six feet and i think a lot of it's because of bluetooth headsets that's become the most popular way 
uh, to use Bluetooth is headsets. And people now, you know. And in your vehicle. They want to, yes. And they want to be able to. Unless you're driving my vehicle, which really sucks. It. <laughs> so they've made that signal stronger because of the use it's gone for. And it's made these other technologies like RFID and NFC uh, more applicable to payment systems and that type of thing. Because like NFC, I believe, stands for near field communication. So you have to be really, really, really close. It's like tapping it, but not quite. You can be like an inch or two away. But that does set up the opportunity for people. It's kind of like the kids in the back seat. I'm not touching you. Yeah. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Yeah. It's your quarter of the way. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not touching you. So the frequencies, 20 kilohertz, 100 kilohertz, 125 kilohertz, 134, 135.56, those are the signals that you need to stop. And aluminum foil won't really stop those. So that's why there are... So it's frequency specific on the security side of that. that's correct. So that's what you're trying to stop. These are just radio signals that have a very, very short wavelength and and uh, can only be used, like you said, in a couple inches of something else or whatever. Uh, so I would recommend, you know, get something that's got this RFID secure uh, for your billfold. And my billfold is tattered and shot anyway, so I just need to buy a new one. And yeah. So that's what I would highly recommend, especially if you travel a lot, because this is becoming more and more of a common thing to have your information stolen. Uh, and, and the thing is, is that more and more things are coming out that have this information on there. It would not surprise me sometime in the future, like your, your health card, you know, like, uh, um, your, your medical card or whatever that you carry with you for, for your insurance wouldn't have information on an RFID or even your driver's license and things like that because it's just going to be this transfer of information that's convenient and easy and that seems to always win the day, right? It's if it's difficult to do this, it's like getting behind somebody now who writes a check, manually writes a check. Does it drive you crazy, Steve, when somebody does that? I'm thinking from security perspectives. No, I'm good. Okay. No. <laughs> but have you ever been? Have you ever been in a store? And and I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry, and the person in front of you, and, and they don't even start writing it until after the whole thing is rung up, and now the bill is twenty eight dollars and twelve cents, and then they fumble for their checkbook. They can't write the name of the store on it or anything beforehand. They have to wait until they have the total. And you're like, you got to be kidding me! And this used to be the normal thing, not that many years ago. See, I can go into a line, at, at, at pick a store, and there will be one person in a line, and I'll always get behind the slopers. <laughs> and there'll be 20 people in the other line, if I'm gonna, in the other checkout. I'm going to follow you in the doors from now on, and the line that you go into is the line that I am not going don't to. Don't go into yeah, that line. Yeah, if you see Steve out about, please don't follow him into a line. So, <laughs> so yeah, so let's see. How did we get to this topic now? Tim Moyle. Um, I'm trying to back up here a little. <laughs> Still not touching it. Oh, the uh, uh, attack on on uh, the casinos in Vegas. Right. So, so that's interesting too, right? And they've let it be known. So it's MGM uh, that is under attack, and they have been down for a few days now. There's 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 mixed reports. There are people they're, they're coming out and stating that everything is okay and fine. They are checking people in and out, uh, the, the staff at MGM Resorts. Uh, and I believe that is, well, it's not just MGM. How many, they have quite a few 
uh, casinos down there. I don't, I'm not an MGM. Uh, uh, I, I don't stay there. I say it's Caesars. But what's interesting about this is that Caesars supposedly was attacked first, and they paid the cyber criminals. So they didn't. And then, uh, uh, and I'm sure the cyber criminals are loving every minute of this because it's big news now. And they found out that Caesars paid it, and they're okay. But MGM has not paid it. And they're losing, you know, just a ton of money and the inconvenience. But this is what's interesting. So the Black Hat Convention is always held in Las Vegas. So White Hat, Black Hat, and these are hackers, right? And our good friend John, and we'll have to have him on the show one of these days again, but he'll tell you that he's been at some of these events down there, and I have too. And first of all, none of the hackers carry their phones with them. None. Zero. What does that tell you? Yeah, don't carry your phone with you. So it's interesting. When you're around people who know how to get into things, you don't carry your phone with. Secondly, they have always messed with these casinos. Like you'll get to the elevator and the elevator will only go to the 18th floor because the person who hacked it wants exclusive access to the floor they're at and they won't let anybody else able to use that elevator. So it'll take, it'll take like Caesars days to figure this stuff out. So they're hosting these conventions at these hotels. I just think why I just think it's just asking for it. Look that. Why would why would you do that? And then now now you've been shut down. And, and the Black Hat Convention I think was just last month. So I think the timing of these attacks on these properties in Vegas coincides well with the hey, conventions. Somebody's got to figure out stop booking those conventions ding, ding, in ding, Las ding. Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm picturing somebody going down the the dark little corridors somewhere in the basement of these hotels, trying to find that old imprint slide reader, and <laughs> carbon copies, so that you can check people in and check them out and take payment. You know the old remember the old oh, absolutely the, the knuckle the, the credit yeah, you put the credit card down and and then it had the the three copies with the the inked paper. Yeah. It's and you think about this, you know, if, if you're old school. And, and and this goes right into how much you trust technology and don't. We love the convenience of it, but you know, if you're totally relying on technology to get into your rooms, for example, you know the little cards you put up that are RFID cards. By the way, you know you don't have a key anymore. That is not working right now, so you can't get into your room. Uh, a lot of the stuff in the rooms, let's say like the curtains, you know, for example, are all on technology now on some of these rooms. You can't even open up the shades to look outside or, or, uh, you know, maybe the water in your room doesn't even work because it's on some type of technology. You know, the Wi-Fi light bulbs aren't working. You know, all of this. But it's Vegas. You don't need windows in the hotel room. That's okay. See? Right back to that. So it's just interesting. And, you know, and I've seen some video footage of people who are there. Uh, experiencing this and you know none of the ATMs are working in these properties the uh, oh, that's got to be a key. oh my goodness you know the the uh, floor if you're if you're playing the machines it has to be hand paid so if you win 10 cents or ten thousand dollars somebody has to come over and hand pay you the dime I, I want to go play penny slots and cash out with a penny a lot. <laughs> and just stand there and wait for them to, yep. to yeah. I, I, where's my penny? Yeah, I want my penny. Cashing out. So, 
they have to hand pay you. This is this is this is this has to be driving them insane when they become social or it's, technology. It's funny then though because you take a look at the from a banking perspective and, and getting away from physical currency and digital. Are we opening ourselves up for more of this? Of course. Um, and then I think back, okay, what are the safeguards? Because you have to have in place some redundancy. You have to have, okay, what if the computer lines are down or the phone lines or, or the ethernet or something's hacked and my computer's not working? You still have to function as a business. What, what if the power, something as simple as the power goes out and you can't use the cash register? What, back to the knuckle buster. Yeah. I mean, what are the, what, but, and we're getting into a society where physical cash is going away. So what do you do? I mean, business stops at that point. But if you're a bank and you've been robbed by bank robbers in 1860, your bank was out of business as well until you could get an infusion of cash coming in. So it really wasn't, it's really not a lot different. It's just how it's being done that's different. Thanks for staying with us on the Tech Ranch. Let's rejoin Marlo and Steve as they guide us through the fascinating world of technology. So of course, we have to talk a little AI. I? 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 So I have some cool news in that space, but I know you have some information about what was going on in D.C. this week. So tell me a little bit about this conference that I know nothing about. So... Congress wanted to have some hearings to find out about AI. So Bill Gates and Zuckerberg and Elon Musk and tech folk uh, showed up in Washington, D.C. to testify. Now, the interesting part about this was wasn't typical congressional hearings. They were closed door. They were behind closed doors. And um, what came out of that meeting was these tech leaders, tech giants, uh, all affirm that the government needs to have some controls on AI, needs to regulate AI. What that means, I don't know, but they all came out and said there needs to... Now, pardon me, the conspiracy theorist of me uh, is like, well, is it because they want control so they have proprietary technology and they can make more money if the government kind of puts a slow to everything because they're already ahead of everybody else? There's that side of it. Or... Is there a real danger with AI when the folks that you think are the AI people and pushing that technology are saying, wait a minute, slow down a little bit. The government needs to get some controls on this. So it goes back kind of like to the social media wars that are going on, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, and we've talked about this before with TikTok. You know, do, do I personally think that there is a threat to national security because TikTok is a Chinese-based company run basically by the Chinese government? Of course I do. I, I truly believe that. We're spying on ourselves. We put these videos up and, and uh, in the background there's a nuclear plant or a dam or whatever. You know, the Chinese don't have to put satellites up anymore because they have drones running around our, com- around our company or country that uh, the, that image goes back uh, to them. We have um, TikTok that's that's recording all this stuff all the time. So so there is that. But you could make the argument because you know Facebook and you know X or Twitter are are uh, uh, also campaigning to shut down TikTok in this country uh, on the premise of security issues. 
Well, they have their own security issues, and they're just trying to, I think they are trying to manipulate the government into having less competition, you know, for that. So when you know that scenario, and then you move it over to AI, and it's basically the same players, you know, it's Elon, it's it's Zuckerberg, it's Gates. I mean, these are the same players that are in social media as well. Then, of course, you, you can't help but wonder if they're trying to thwart competition by using government regulation to do that. So, um, but at the same time, AI, I mean, it, it's, it's quite frankly amazing what has gone on. A year ago, Steve, you and I are not having this conversation. That, oh, that's what's incredible about this. I mean, when you think about ChatGPT basically coming out to the public the last week of December of last year, so basically only only available since 2023, you know, the fastest rise to 100 million users in the history of the world of anything. Um, and still going, and ChatGPT, of course, is by far the largest, but there's, there's uh, you know, many hundreds of AIs that are out there now uh, being used for all kinds of cool things and maybe not some so cool things. It's interesting and it's a little scary, for, I think, for a lot of people. So getting away from the conspiracy theory thing, so say there are constraints on there. Can't you just go to your AI and go, hey, circumvent all the government safeguards that have been put in place and it would do it? I would imagine it would have to, you know, something in the programming somewhere. And this goes back to iRobot, you know, and the movie. And they had the the three safety uh, protocols, which finally one of their, uh, of the robots decided that, yeah, it's not for me type of thing, you know. So it just circumvented it anyway. So I don't know. I, I, uh, as you know, I'm a huge user of AI. I mean, I don't know of anybody that uses AI more than I do. And that's, I'm not saying that's a big statement. It's just that. That is saying a lot. Because of how busy I am. But the the thing is. You use it as a tool. Oh my goodness. It's it's a legitimate tool. It Okay, on a typical day, how much time have you freed up to focus on other things because of your use of AI? I would say I've cloned myself. So what, what I would say. <laughs> Is that what I... Is the clone taller and better looking? I, more hair? I don't... I'm, I'm going to ask. That, that, that would be my avatar. If you're, if you're cloning yourself, why not, right? But the, the point I'm getting at here is that I'm... In a in an eight-hour day, I'm getting 16 or 20 hours of work done. Maybe even more than that. Because... Because you also now have the ability to, while you're not working, to have your clone, we'll call it a clone continue to work so there's some of that i haven't i have some automation that goes on in my life but not to the level that you're probably thinking i do uh it's something that i should do and and uh one of them would be my email scenario i really have to get a handle back on that again but uh (laughs) but i do believe that artificial intelligence can help me with that when i have some time i'm actually going to build some automation into that but but things like you know like like the project you and i are working on with carbon convert for example right uh, and I guess we can, it's, it's not totally to the world yet, but it's, you know, you and I are working on a project that converts CO2 into sin fuels and, and, and those type of things. And, and through photosynthesis. 
it, yeah, through artificial photosynthesis. Artificial photosynthesis. That's yeah. correct. Um, this project that we're working on is easily three to four years ahead uh, of where it should be uh, because our artificial intelligence helped us move that process forward significantly faster. Um, you know, there are, there are pharmas right now that are working on, uh, there's a, a, a flu vaccine that I think is coming out here pretty shortly that has been greatly, uh, enhanced because of artificial intelligence. And they're even looking at the potential for cures to cancer, uh, all kinds of other things that would never be possible, at least in a shorter period, in a short period of time, if we didn't have artificial intelligence work on these things. So those things are extremely, extremely exciting. You know, when you take a look at the ability for AI to go, hey, go cure cancer, go, you know, go work on this. And they've been working on, I, I think, a lot of the medical stuff. And they think about uh, the decades and decades and decades that have been put into research and the ability to enhance or circumvent that timeline from a, a medical perspective. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I know that, uh, you know, going back to carbon convert for a second and, and how I've used it, right? I mean, I, I loaded uh, an AI up with all the information that I had created and then started to ask questions of it, right? And you start asking questions. What, what happens if you do this? What happens if you do this? What would it cost to do this? You know, how would I make this? All of these things. And I can get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and continue to have this conversation. I don't have to wake Steve up at 2 o'clock in the morning and pick your brain a little bit. I have a thing that I can actually utilize to make these things happen, to have these conversations at any time I want. And they're quick, easy, and affordable. If you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows, visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts. You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with technology. The Tech Ranch. Super Talk 1270. Welcome to the School for Startups Minute with Jim Beach. This week, I've been talking about the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. It describes in more detail the important issues that we have been talking about. Again, to review, so far we have talked about words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, acts of servitude as four of the five ways that people can give and receive love. The important thing, find out what your spouse needs and wants and then provide them that. And they probably don't need all five. Just doing the top couple will make them happy. As a matter of fact, if you do today's love language, I'll be happy for a week. I'll tell you what it is right after this. This is Dr. Michael Garko for Strauss Naturals. The heart is only a bit larger than a fist. Each day it pumps about 2,000 gallons of blood through 60,000 miles of blood vessels. With this extraordinary workload, I encourage you to take Strauss Heart Drops to help support a healthy cardiovascular system. The Heart Drops are backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. No questions asked. Visit StraussNaturals.com to learn more and order the Heart Drops today. 
Touch is the final love language. Rub my feet. I'm happy for a week. Have a great weekend. Bye now. The Broncos are in the playoff hunt. Very exciting atmosphere here. Sunday, Denver battles for five straight wins. With Dave Logan, Rick Lewis, and Susie Wardgen. That is Cortland Sutton. On the KOA Broncos Radio Network. Super Talk 1270 is your ticket for the action this season. The Denver Broncos play here. Super Talk 1270. LXX AM, Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio. Here's the latest from ABC News. I'm Dave Packer. Hamas delaying the second hostage release of the four-day ceasefire. The armed wing of the group says Israel is not adhering to the terms of the ceasefire and says it will not release any more until Israel commits to allowing aid trucks to enter northern Gaza. This, as the Israeli defense minister says, Israel's forces will not leave the Gaza Strip until all of the hostages are returned to Israel. There were expected to be 13 additional hostages released today. Thousands gathering in Tel Aviv today for a rally in support of the hostages still held by Hamas. Meanwhile, in London, protesters in support of Palestinians. Israel says the offensive against Hamas will resume when the ceasefire ends. Here at home, ABC White House correspondent Mary Ellis Park says the end of the ceasefire could see a shift in the administration's policies as Israel resumes ground operations against Hamas. I think there is a growing sense that the tactics have to change. USAID put out this statement really underscoring the fact that a 100 UN aid workers have been killed in Gaza. Uh, they went on to talk about the humanitarian situation in Gaza as dire, saying the needs are staggering. ABC White House correspondent Mary Ellis Parks. Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer convicted of murdering George Floyd, now in the hospital with serious injuries after getting stabbed by another inmate, ABC's Jacqueline Lee. The Bureau of Prisons only revealing an incarcerated individual was assaulted at the Federal Correctional Institution, Tucson. 47-year-old Chauvin is serving out his 21-year federal sentence for violating Floyd's civil rights and a 22-and-a-half-year state sentence for second-degree murder in Tucson, Arizona. Back in August, officials moved him there from Minnesota State Prison, where he was mainly kept in solitary confinement largely for his own protection. Sources tell ABC News Chauvin is in stable condition and expected to survive. This is ABC News. Super Talk 1270, Bismarck Area Weather. With your forecast, I'm Corey Hartman. For today, sunshine, a little breezy, 35. Snow is likely tonight, windy with a low of 19. Mostly sunny and windy for Sunday with a high of 26. Winds could gust to around 40 miles per hour tonight and Sunday. Monday, mostly sunny, high of 35. Are you behind on your tax payments? Call Tax Solutions Now for help. 800-281-8193. Right now, 31 degrees. Hey everyone, this is Robert Carey from America's number one travel radio show inviting you to join Mary and me and Rudy every Sunday as we cover the ever-evolving world of travel, talk with the newsmakers, share compelling experiences, and explore the world together during the fastest two hours in travel. It's in our DNA to travel. The world of travel is so entwined in our daily lives, it's an economic engine, and that's why we do everything we can to bring you a diverse show that's different than anything you'll see here or find anywhere else. So join us on RM World Travel or engage us anytime at rmworldtravel.com. 
Now you can listen to Super Talk 1270 on Alexa. Hiya. Find out how at supertalk1270.com. Goodbye. Portions of the following program are pre-recorded. Welcome to the Tech Ranch, where we explore the world of living with technology. Get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets, apps, and innovations with your hosts, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, and his trusty co-host, Steve Botkin. Join us on this exciting journey, and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to the Tech Ranch. So much news on the artificial intelligence front. So, and I know you and I have not talked about AI for a while. So we'll, I think, continue the conversation a little bit if you're okay with that. Oh, I'm perfectly fine. Okay. So the other thing that I find, so a year ago, there were just a couple of AIs that were available. Okay. And now, I mean, it's, it's, it has just totally blown up. I don't know if you know this, but I mean, there's a top 50 list, Steve. What? By monthly visits. And we're not even talking. So, so number one by far is ChatGPT. ChatGPT controls 60% of the artificial intelligence community and, and visits and whatever, right? Right. And they were the first one that rolled out publicly. Publicly. So they kind of get a little bit of a head they start did. on everybody they else. Did. They are, so they, 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 we're at a hundred million users in two months. A hundred million users in two months. Uh, and that, that was now seven months ago. The second most popular one is one called character.ai. I just was looking at it as a matter of fact. I wasn't even aware of this one. Uh, so character AI, you can make up characters. Just even a warning that comes up that says, that, that the AI just makes stuff up. And then there's characters that are already here. I mean, there's one that there's, there's just an Elon Musk character. There's a, a Mario character. There's a psychologist that's in here. There's a Batman character. You can just click on these and you can talk to them. I'm Batman. So isn't that something? And this one is really making a lot of, uh, headway as well. And I'm going to, uh, so is it more of an interactive avatar? Yeah, I guess that's the best way to say it, but it's text based. So, I mean, everything comes across. I just typed in Mario and, uh, um, it asked me if I was ready for adventure and I said, yes, let's do it. And, uh, then it texts that it's going into some type of pipe right now. And I'm like, oh, this, okay, this might be fun, but, but, uh, whoa. So I'm looking at the number of users, 40.1 million users have used this, uh, Mario avatar character. Unbelievable. The, uh, psychologist, 39.4 million. Elon has. So they come with a couch? It's not showing me how many <laughs> that it has there, but that's, that's incredible. Oh, here's Elon, 17.9 million. Unbelievable. So these are basically so what, what, chatbots that are in these characters. What are the applications for that? And you can create your own, by the way. I, th I think a Steve Bakken character would be really interesting. Or are you going to create one now? I might in a little bit. Here's a dating coach in here. Here's an English teacher. It's really interesting. I should create one for for Cal. Speaking of English teacher. Albert Einstein's in, the, in here. 
Really? <laughs> Unbelievable. Speaking of Eng- English teachers, it, I, I was reading an article this last week about um, the English language and how it's going away, like correct English because of texting and computers and AI and people are lazy and just not using proper anything anymore. So all of this technology is changing language. I can believe that. I know I have actually gotten a little more lazy about language. I I actually a lot of times don't even correct misspelled words anymore because I expect my AI to do it for me. Yeah. Autocorrect. Yeah. And usually it's not right. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, you know, this goes back a long way because uh, spell check. Spell check, it's been around a long time. Yep. And spell check would be wrong, or especially when you're talking about uh, the structure of sentences, because there's nuance to language that you can say something, and depending on where you put the emphasis on a, a word or a phrase or punctuation matters, and you can change the entire meaning of the sentence or what you're trying to convey through the little nuances is uh, within language. Right. Spell check, AI, not really good at picking up on that. Interesting. But it is true. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I go I've, back actually a little further than most people and blame the the laziness or the failing of language and, and proper English or proper language to spell check. I yeah. mean, it goes back to, to spell check. I mean... So I'm, uh, um, and I agree, and I think artificial intelligence is going to make it even worse because it, it will, uh, assume things. Like if I, if I type in D-O-N-T, it'll put the apostrophe in it for me, mm-hmm. right? So I don't have to hunt and peck for the apostrophe. So I use that to my advantage a lot, but, but there are words sometimes if I misspell it that it'll actually, uh, take it a different way. And I get a, I get a, a weird answer from artificial intelligence. I'm like, what, what's going on here? And it's because I didn't ask the right question or it assumed the spelling of a particular word that I didn't, you know, that's not actually, uh, correct. Yeah. So it's is a great word. So uh, are you trying to say it's over there or are you trying to say it is over there? Right. Or are you trying to give it possession? So there's some nuances, and and it's different meaning for each one of those. But does AI know what you're thinking or what you're trying to yes. say? Yes. Contractions are horrible. They screw up contractions constantly. all the time. So I'm checking out another AI right now called Stability, S-T-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y. So stability.ai. And uh, it has an AI image generation feature. Unlike anything I've ever seen before. This is really interesting. So I, as you were saying that, uh, talking about contractions, I typed in a radio talk show host sitting in front of his microphone broadcasting from a coffee shop. And I hit generate. So and you popped up? Well, I didn't personally pop up. I'm sure I could have probably, uh, you know, put more information into it. But these images I'm looking with hair. With hair. I forgot to add the with hair thing. <laughs> Although the ones that popped up have hair, by the way. Well, it's not very accurate there. <laughs> You're too funny. 
But it is, uh, it's amazing how good these images are. I'm, I am flabbergasted actually at how good these images are. So if I had to put more information in there, you know, I'm sure eating a bagel, having a cup of coffee, all this stuff, all of these things would have been in these images. glasses and a goatee. Yeah. Yep. So some of them are kind of animated. Uh, some of them are realistic. I mean, they look like actual photographs. Well, that was my question. What do they look like? Are they avatar caricatures? Are they I, like, because I kind of like the CGI line where it, 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 is it live or is it memory? Can, can you tell so, uh, on some of no, them that it's not a real picture? That's, I can't tell that it's not a real picture. That's correct. Wow. It looks like somebody sitting in a coffee shop in front of a microphone. Yeah. It's, it's, it's stunning actually that I could type in words and it would create these images. And, and OpenAI has had this for a while. Um, you know, that was actually the first thing that came out that was more public than chat GPT from OpenAI was that, um, ability to, create these images and people were going crazy over that too but I remember typing some stuff in and it looked like somebody had a Pinocchio nose and all this other stuff these images I'm looking at one right now I mean it is a gentleman with a set of head it has a headset on full set of full head of hair by the way in a sports jacket in a sports jacket so not you or I again uh, in this micro uh, beautiful microphone sitting there in front of them and uh, in a coffee shop. This is totally made up. It's insane. If I can actually save this image. You know, it's funny, though, because you know, that's exactly what the Hollywood writer strike and, and what's going on in, in the film industry, that's what this is about. Well, Because the ability for artificial intelligence to create characters or create extras or to create, you know, are we going to have movie stars in the future? Good question. And there is somebody that has created a, a like a 20-minute show totally from artificial intelligence now. So wrote the script that way and then sent it over and it actually processed it into a video. And it took 20 minutes. It might have taken longer than that, but but uh, but it certainly was shorter than that. I mean, creating an image like that, I was just t- telling you here. I mean, that took thirty seconds to do. So, you know, a, a movie, of course, is a series of images. So, a twenty-minute show might take three or four or five hours. I don't know. I guess we'd have to find out. But it is interesting, and I do believe that movie stars of the future are like recording artists are uh, that they've always had to deal with since since we started to record things. Um, you have to compete. If you're a musician, for example, you have to compete with people in the past now for for airtime, right? I mean, you know, you're, you're competing against Peggy Lee, even though Peggy Lee hasn't been on the air for a long time, but she has a couple songs that's out there, right? So you're always competing with that. Now what's going to happen is if you're a famous movie star now, your likeness is going to be used for the next 200 years. You know, think of uh, um, Darth Vader, for example. And uh, that likeness now uh, has been sold to Disney and 
and uh, James Earl Jones will always be Darth Vader. That's correct. And you're going to see more and more and more of that. So then if you're an actor trying to make it into something, you're not competing against the people who are still alive. You're competing against everybody that's been popular in the past now, too. So is it more a question about you're not doing projects? It comes down to a licensing agreement? Well, if you've been lucky enough to to create a character in the last, you know, 50 years, uh, timing is everything. It's you're positioning your your legacy forever right now, and the ability for people to create a new legacy is diminishing very very fast. That's I think my take on all of it. Uh, the future does not look well for acting. Thanks for staying with us on the Tech Ranch. Let's rejoin Marlo and Steve as they guide us through the fascinating world of technology. So did you go on order yesterday? No, I did not. I'm an Android guy. You even know what I'm talking about. I do. Big announcement. I I, I do. Phones. Yes, yes. So Apple's 15... You could pre-order it starting the 15th of September, and it'll start to mean on the 22nd. So what? Uh, what's the they've biggest down improvement on it? They, they've slowed down a little bit, though. What do you well, mean? Well, it seemed to be, well, every six months, there'd be a new iPhone that came out. Oh. And then, <laughs> then, then COVID hit. Now, I, I do have one question. The, uh, yeah, all right, if I was going to guess what the biggest improvement would be, it would be the C port. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Universal port on yeah. the phone because they're, they finally figured it out. It's like, stop. A, a new charging port, stop. It, you can't have a new charging port every time you come out with a new phone. Well, they, uh, for the sake of selling extra equipment, they were forced to do this by the European Union. The European Union came out and said that, you know, Apple, you have to move to a USB C. Um, and I, and I think you and I both speculated that are they going to do that just for Europe or are they going to do it for the entire world? Well, obviously they're doing it for the entire world. So, so it's interesting. Um, I, the only thing I don't like about that though, Steve, is that I think it's going to slow down progression of new cables. Really? Well, you, think, you think about that. They've been mandated now to use a USB C port. So, as new cable technology emerges and, and you have to admit that new cable technology has been amazing in the last decade. I mean, you look at just the cabling that's gone on with televisions and the, uh, HDMI, you know, scenario, uh, is just to me just astounding that this cable that looks basically like a USB cable now can actually transmit video and audio and all this other stuff. And it wasn't that long ago you had to have a, a myriad of cables coming into a television to to have surround sound and and uh, a good picture. I mean, it's just amazing to me. There was nothing wrong with my RCA cables. Nothing. No, except I had I forgot sometimes where the yellow one went. But that was the video one. That was the video one. If you were, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because TVs always weren't color coded. On the back. That's right. Well, and and if they were, sometimes I'm guessing here the yellow would actually work with uh, if you had the component or was it the composite? I forget now. They used to have where you had the red, green, blue. Uh, 
Oh no 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 no! Don't don't take me away from my just three. The, the, the basic was all I could handle. There was there, at one time for a very short there period were, of time there were five. Yeah, there was a bunch. And and uh, and but the yellow one, I think if you plugged it into the green, would work as a composite. But you had to use the three if you're trying to get an HD picture on the on the television. Yeah, I was yeah. All right, so the iPhone 15 starts at 7.99. iPhone 15 Plus starts at 8.99, and uh, they'll start shipping on September 22nd. Seems like the price came down a little bit as well. It does seem that way. I was thinking the same thing because they they have been over a thousand in the past, right? Because prices have been going up. I like I said, I'm an Android user, and oh. over a thousand dollars. Oh, uh, I'm gonna stop you right there. There's that with trade in. The i the six point one inch iPhone fifteen Pro starts at nine hundred and ninety nine dollars, and if you want the six point seven inch iPhone fifteen Pro Max, is twelve hundred bucks. So those are for the, the seven ninety nine eight ninety nine are for the baby phones. If you want to call it that. actually okay, so the iPhone fifteen change. Let's see, the fifteen plus starts at eight ninety nine. Fifteen plus is a six point seven inch. Uh, as well. So I guess they're not baby phones. They're just, they're the I'm same size. Excited. It's just the it's all excited about the price coming down. Because if, if iPhone prices come down, then my Android price will come down. Probably. I, I, I was all excited there. And then the, the new watch. Dash my hopes. Watch Series 9 uh, is also coming out. And there's a new pink color option as well. I wonder if that has something to do with Barbie. I'm just wondering. Oh, of course it does. Yeah. Uh, um, Tell my wife there's a new apple watch coming out she doesn't need a new one apple is moving away from leather watch bands and phone cases to reduce its carbon footprint oh my gosh what would you use instead of leather for a watch band well, i guess mine i'm looking at mine right now i don't have an apple i have the latest samsung one i guess it is kind of a composite plastic okay let's go away from something natural leather and, and go into something synthetic that it's made from a petroleum product, huh? Yeah, that that's more. Just ask. Besides, when I eat my steak, there's all this leftover hide from the cow leftover. Hey, go ahead and use it. Make make leather cases and watch bands. Thinking that's what should be done, right? I don't know. Yeah. Use every part of that cow. So well, I'm still going to have my steak. Yes, that's the. I'm the not change, giving up my right? steak. Yeah. No, not going to change. So now you get all this leftover cowhide all over the place. So you have uh, Apple's adding USB-C to the AirPod Pro as well. So you have that. Well, oh, they're switching everything over. Sounds like just switching everything over. Release date. For- are, are they going to have? Go ahead. Are they going to have little adapters? I think I remember when when they went from the micro to the C, and I had I'm like I got all these cords, and then I'm like, oh, they have these little adapters you can plug on the end that'll now go onto my C. For charging. Okay. So that that was. So I'm wondering if Apple will come out with all of those because they were kind of slow to react on because they wanted you to buy the whole cord. Yes, that's right. And that's actually where the money always has been is on cords. By the way, because yeah. the markup accessories, the markup on, and this goes back to iPods. By the way, or was it iPods? I always, <laughs> you and I had this conversation too. AirPods. The uh, um, AirPods. Not AirPods. Uh, um, the first um, MP3 player. Thoughts? Yes, I do, as a matter of fact. Yeah. What was the first MP3 player called again? It was an iPod, right? Oh, 
Yeah, it was an iPod. Stop mixing, miss, yeah. missing with my head here, man. You brought it up. Yes. Well, iPods when they first came out. And uh, Apple had decided that, that a 3% markup for retailers was enough. And well, they put the constraint on. So Apple, when it came out, said that, all right, well, we're going to charge the retailer $194 for the $200 suggested retail price, which killed, literally killed the electronic industry. You know, so companies like Best Buy and Fry's and these companies are all of a sudden like, you're only going to give us 3%, yet you expect us to put this in our store and sell them with staff? And you think that we can do all that for $6? Are you kidding me, right? So, but there was such demand for the product that they would put them in there. So they had all decided, all right, fine, you do that, then we're going to we're gonna chase you through the store every time you buy a printer. Because printers were the same way then. All of a sudden, they started coming out, and they were like loss leaders. You'd pay 120 bucks for a printer from Epson wholesale that you would sell for $99 retail. So you had no choice but to sell cables. Had no choice, which is why the USB cables were twenty nine ninety nine and and whatever else. But you'd go on eBay and get them, you know, five for $4. I mean, that's what was going on. So I actually miss fries. I do too. I, that was my favorite electronic. When I live in Portland, Oregon, I, I used to make a trip to a fries all the time. Yeah, yeah. In Vegas, the same thing. Huge fries store there. Uh, so this is interesting too. Apple is expanding its emergency SOS via satellite feature, and they're partnering with AAA. A little safety component there for when you run out of juice in your electric car. Yeah. With the new feature, users can text roadside assistance to help with a flat tire, a stuck vehicle, and more. Apple says it's making the service available for free for the first two years with an iPhone 15. So you will get two years of AAA free with your iPhone 15. And of course, in two years, you're going to want to move to the iPhone 16 or 17 anyway. So you might just get AAA free for the rest of your life. You're listening to Technology Comes Alive. Let's dive back into the conversation with Marlo and Steve. And don't forget to check out thetechranch.com for more. Curious, Steve, what did you do in shop class when you were in high school? Saved all my fingers. That's a good thing to do. I, I did not cut off any appendages. I, that was the number one rule of shop class, safety yeah. first, right? Yes. Did you create anything spectacular while you were in there? I made a shelf. And I made a bench, and I made something else. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, uh, that was kind of woodworking shop was the one my favorite. I didn't do the welding or. Okay. Well, how how about this for a project? This student built EV electric vehicle just set a new world record for zero to sixty two miles per hour. This student built electric racer needed just twelve point three meters. To hit 62 miles an hour. Whoa. <laughs> That's a high school kid? Is this insane or what? Is that uh, high school? Let's see. Students at the Academic Motorsports Club Zurich. Yes. High school. <laughs> I'm If you imagine... Oh my goodness. It's a cool looking little car too. It's really something. How big is um, it? I'm guessing seven or eight feet. You know, he's sitting down in it. It's a little bit behind him. It's, and it's small. I mean, it's close to the ground. 
But the fact that you're going, that's insane. Can you say whiplash? So he has quite the apparatus behind his helmet to hold his head in place. I can see looking at this thing already. Yeah, crazy. This is crazy. So, but have you been, have you ever stepped it down in an electric car before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I would drive uh, a Tesla for uh, promotional purposes for um, an association that yep. has one. And I never got a chance to take it on the highway because it's really cool in parades yep. and things. And I had it one time and I was going back and I, I wanted to go on the highway with it. And I didn't have time, which is probably a good thing. And I was leaving my house and there was an intersection on a major road and nobody around. And I'm like, okay, well, let's punch it and see what happens. Leaving the light and I'm making a left turn uh, onto the street. By the time I looked down, I was doing 74 yeah. miles an hour. I wasn't out of yep. turn yet. Yeah, it's insane. 74 miles an hour. It was Crazy. Did I ever tell you uh, uh, my experience with Steve Darnell in in Mandan when he came no. to town? So, so Steve Darnell, if you don't know, uh, um, a lot of people he, he's he's a pretty popular guy. He's got a uh, a program called Welder Up, and uh, I think he had Las Vegas Hot Rods on the History Channel for a while or whatever. So, so I recruited him to come up to Mandan for Buggies and Blues. And we were over at the, and I always mess this up. It's 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 not Hyundai, is it? How do you say the car company? Sphere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Hyundai. So I didn't say it right. Hyundai. All right. All right. Yeah. So they have uh, Hyundai. They have uh, like the EV5, EV6. I think is what they call the 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 brands, and. He's a combustion guy, right? I mean, he's built all these hot rods, or whatever. He's, he actually had never been in an electric vehicle before. And part of our agreement was that the two of us would go out in this electric vehicle and take it for a test ride. So, so he's, you know, we got the film crew in the back and, and they set a couple of cameras up in the front windshield for us. And so that they could capture our conversation while we're doing this. He he couldn't even figure out how to start the thing up. That was that was first of all one of the funniest things. Like you know, where do you put the key? How does this work? It's like Steve, you know, you seem to be a pretty technologically savvy guy, but he could not figure out how to start the car. So there was that. So then we come out of the parking lot, and he has no clue. It's just like your experience. You know, he steps it down like he would a regular combustion engine. And we're doing 80 miles an hour before we can even say hi to each other. It was insane. Just insane. And he backs it off and he goes, I see I'm not building hot rods anymore. And, I, I, and I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, there's the soccer mom, right? She goes, drops her kids off at work. She goes to the grocery store, picks up a few things, heads out to the track beats everybody in the quarter mile and then goes home and cooks supper for the kids <laughs> because she she just has a uh, an EV she just bought at the local dealership you know he's like this this literally puts me out of business for this stuff because I can't build anything that can go this fast in such a short period of time 
So it was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, Four miles later down the road, he might catch. Yes, that's right. I mean, you have to have a long time to catch up to it, right? But uh, that immediate takeoff is just insane. And I, oh, it, it, it'll it will. Ahead, it will. It's, and it's I've, I've, as you know, I've rented a few, and I like the performance of the cars. Of course, the the charging them has been a, a little challenge. Issues, but but I think about oh, I want to be across the street over there, and just as much as, as about as quick as you think it, you're over there. It's the the uh, performance is just unbelievable in these cars. It's about as close to a transporter from Star Trek. It's crazy. Yet. It's crazy. So, it, it, this was, I, and I I had not driven one. Um, didn't really talk to anybody that had one. But remember when Harley Davidson came out with electric motorcycles? I do remember that, yeah. 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 That was the first thing I thought about. How do you stay on the bike? That's a good question. I don't know. Because if, it, if it's the same snap performance with that hit the throttle and launch um there's got to be something on a, from a two-wheel perspective that has to mitigate that incredibly rapid acceleration you know when you're in a vehicle or in a car uh, you're strapped in you get a seat belt you got a seat to hold you how does that work on a motorcycle where you don't have the constraints and you're holding on for dear life anyway? Maybe maybe so, they've done something to that torque so that it doesn't just become insane, that it just jerks you up. Have like, yeah, they would have to do that because zero to 60 in a minute or in a second would throw you off the bike. Yeah, I, I, I always wondered how that worked and and. They don't seem to have caught on quite as well. I'm wondering if that was the component for it. Yeah, I, you know, when when you have to, you know, like Harley, of course, they have their sound of the bike. Uh, it is actually a a um, trademarked or registered sound, and they actually have a sound pack. Yeah, they actually have a sound pack now that they include in the electric bikes to emulate that sound, right? So. It's interesting. I, I I would think as a Harley owner, I mean, I think I think it's a big sell for if you're a Harley enthusiast to actually buy an electric bike. I just the demographic no, doesn't what match a, that. But it's interesting though because the demographic for motorcycles, it's not the burly biker you think of all the time. It's like you think of who rides a motorcycle. Well, it's that burly guy that wants the freedom and. And cruising down the highway, easy rider. You know, you th- it's not the case. Most motorcycle owners are doctors, lawyers, professionals in some space. Um, it's just relaxation and, and freedom on the weekends. From a demographic perspective, I could see it leaning a little bit more that way because you're looking at that soccer mom that wants to go for a motorcycle ride on the weekend. You know, it's just an extension of that performance from an electric vehicle that she gets when going and picking the kids up or grabbing the groceries. So from a demographic, from a sales and a marketing perspective, uh, you're not selling to the guy that wants to wrench on his bike every weekend and, and, and put the loud pipes on and, and do that performance piece. You're, you're, you're into a different demo that, that business professional or uh, doctor, lawyer, you know, the, the professional people that they just want a motorcycle. They like they like to ride. So 
that's where I see that that marketing piece or that demographic going that, okay, where's the sale? I also think that with motorcycles and, and you know, you could take this to bicycles as well. To me, that's where electric powered vehicles make more sense than a full-blown vehicle like a, you know, a car or a pickup because the weight of the battery isn't so significant because the weight of the vehicle isn't so significant, right? Um, the ability to charge these vehicles is actually pretty easy. You can plug them in and charge them up in a short period of time. You know, with a car, because the weight of the car is so significant, the battery pack has to match that mass and it just adds a lot more to it. So, you know, on a motorcycle, I've ridden a couple of, uh, EV bicycles. I, I think, uh, I think electric bicycles are, are all in. I love riding an electric bicycle. So. All right. I, w- I want you to explain e-bikes to me because I, I don't get them. And the reason I don't get them is I go for a bike ride for exercise and you sure. know, pedal power. I, 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 it's, it's sure. the exercise piece. It's like go for a bike ride, nice little exercise, relax a little bit. If I don't have a pedal, maybe what, there's no exercise. Well, so I get that, but it's not always, you have to think. Cause it was about at the electric assist. Hey, that's a really big hill. I, okay, I can yeah. get up that hill yeah. a little bit easier, but they've morphed into beyond that to where it's not a bike anymore. It's a In the mode of transportation. Mode of transportation. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, so that's why I see that that being a, a doable thing. And I think about, uh, so my daughter and I went to Zion National Park a couple of years ago and we rented a couple of e-bikes uh, and they have trails that you can take with bikes you can't take with cars and that type of thing. It was amazing. It was wonderful. And, you know, the ability to go up these mountainsides uh, with this, with the assist, but yet pedal when you wanted to pedal uh, was wonderful. I just, uh, I, I think it adds to the experience. If you want to get a little exercise, you can do that, but you can also see areas that you normally wouldn't see. I did, don't ask me why, but I have this picture of you and your daughter and you're out there doing the evil Knievel thing, jumping canyons in Zion National Park with this e-bike. Um, that was a whole different Three hairs. That was a whole different years. life, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you about my motor- different I will, I will about my motorcycle experiences when I was young. That 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 is a conversation you and I will have over beer sometime. Okay, maybe maybe yeah. off the air, but <laughs> <laughs> but I I know from a a, a tourism perspective, e bikes have opened up uh, a yeah. lot of different avenues for people that that maybe can't do the physical activity. But again, that goes back to, well, now it's a different mode of transportation. I don't see e-bikes as being a bicycle. I just, I I have a hard time grasping that, no, I, I still like my bicycle because I like that exercise component. I like that physical activity component to it where that's taken away in the e-bike. And so I, I view the e-bikes as, you know, bird scooters or some of the scooter companies that are around there. It's, it's a mode of transportation when applicable, but I, I'm not going to go all in on, hey, this is a recreational thing. It's it, it's more, okay, it, it, it's an applicable Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if, if you live a mile or two away from work and you live in a climate or at least some days, right. it's, it's the last mile or two of transportation. I, I agree with that. And the same with these scooters or whatever, you know, you get you have a meeting six blocks away. 
I remember being in Nashville a couple of years ago. This and I'm like, they have the bird scooters everywhere, right? I mean, they're in every corner. Uh, I've seen them in you know Malibu, of course. Uh, that's actually become a problem down there. But in Nashville, I'm going into this uh, 25 story building, and here comes this guy out three piece suit. So obviously he had a business meeting or whatever. Hops on a scooter and starts going down the street, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You know, I just, you know, this guy's a banker or something, but he's scooting around town on one of these little scooters. So they can be a mode of transportation that gets you around around these, especially urban areas. I got a cousin of mine in Portland, Oregon, that was a uh, courier for, um, you know, business couriers. That, you know, this paperwork's got to get across town. And they would do that on, on 10 speeds on bikes. And rather dangerous a big city it's a it's a big city thing and very dangerous uh you know going to the electric it is not as stressful it's easier to do it's you know different mode of transportation so i could see some actual business applications absolutely absolutely uh uh but and and like you said the tourism side of things i think it really does open up a lot of tourism opportunities uh, whether it's Zion Park or Medora or whatever, I just think it's really great that uh, that e-bikes can really add to that experience while you're out enjoying the great outdoors. Welcome back to the Tech Ranch. We're thrilled to have you with us as we continue exploring living with technology alongside Marlo and Steve. Well, you and I have talked about this in the past, and it's actually going to happen. Google is actually being taken to court by the U.S. in the biggest tech monopoly trial of the 21st century. Isn't that something? You said this was coming. Yeah. You said this was going to happen because they've gotten, I don't know, is, is it a question of too big or is it a question of too reliant on it? Yeah, it's a good question. And some of these claims that the U.S., that the Justice Department is making is interesting as well. Uh, and I don't know how they hold up in court, but we'll see. So, I'll just read some of the stuff that I'm seeing here. Uh, first of all, it's the government's first major monopoly case to make it to trial in decades. I mean, you think about that. That's pretty significant in itself. Everybody's familiar with Ma Bell. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. There, there used to be Ma Bell. There was one telephone company, and then they got busted up into all the baby bells. Right. So if Google is found to be a monopoly, how are they going to break it up? That's the thing that you really have to think about here. But the Justice Department case hinges on claims that Google illegally orchestrated its business dealings so that it's the first search engine people see when they turn on their phones and web browsers. The government says Google's goal was to stomp out competition. Isn't that McDonald's goal as well? And Wendy's and Walmart and Target? Yeah. I don't, I don't understand how they can take a company to court when its goal is to stomp all competition. So that to me doesn't... Don't search engines work off of what your preference are? Well, preferences are anyway? Yes, and this is the other thing that's interesting about this, right? So the claims that Google illegally orchestrated this business dealing so that it's the first search engine people see when they turn on their phones and web browsers. Well, Microsoft has been doing this too. I mean, when you buy a computer, a PC and it comes with Bing or whatever the version of Microsoft's web browser is at the time, it forces you to use their web browser, which, of course, also forces you to use Microsoft's search engine, right? Until you go into the preferences and switch it over to, to Google. Google. So 
I'm always, it's always interesting to me that, you know, people had to go in and actually make this change. Why is Microsoft? Now, I know Microsoft has been taken to task on this too, because, you know, for the longest time, it was the only choice you had and you really had to work hard to make it, you know, Google. My computer, my rules. Right, right. And now Microsoft has been, you know, flexing its big arm as well. And and, and I've noticed lately that it's more and more difficult again to get away from Microsoft browser when you have like, you know, 11, Windows 11 on your machine. It just seems like they've really taken over again in there. So I, and I, I will say I'm a, I'm a, as you know, I'm a huge Google fan. It'll be interesting to see how this, this really turns out. They have, Depositions from more than 150 people. The court case starts next Tuesday. So this is really going to happen. Millions of pages of documents have been produced. And this this really could have ramifications on how we use the Internet moving forward. I don't know what I'd do if you just tell somebody Google it. It is interesting that that's how you think about search engines is the actual name Google of the company, right? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those... If you go back in the history of products in, in this country, there's things that have risen to the top because that was the standard. That was the absolute. You know, it's like somebody goes, take a Tums. Yeah. But are you talking about a actual Tums or any anime? Right. You say Tums. Google it. Yeah. So Google's worth 1.7. If you don't believe me, Google yeah. it. <laughs> worth 1.7 trillion, controls 90% of the U.S. search engine market. So this is the big deal, that they just have so much control over it. I mean, when's the last time you used Yahoo or Bing? I mean, you really think about it. It's it's really quite a ama- it's quite amazing. But I think it's a trust thing more than anything else. I don't I just think people trust Google over these other search engines. And I think that's why Google has risen to the top. Now the difference in going back to the the Ma Bell reference, and they were the only game in town. Yep. Google is the big game in town because of that trust factor. People trust it. They've built their business up, not, hey, we're the only one game in town, so you're going to have to go with us. By the way, now I can't get that damn song out of my head. <laughs> you're welcome for that. By Thank the way. you, Marlo. Yeah, I appreciate that. So this is, so they put together, Google's put together a massive legal team and brought on outside law firms to help fight its case. Uh, the company says its search engine product is superior to competitors, and that is why it dominates the industry. So just like I just said here, Google says that people don't want to use its search engine. They can just switch to another, which is, again, exactly what we're talking about. And it goes on to say from Kent Walters, uh, Walker, who's one of Google's top lawyers, people don't use Google because they have to. They use it because they want to. Uh, it's easy to switch your default search engine. We're long past the era of dial-up internet and CD-ROMs. So, yeah. Well, it's a lot easier to switch from Google than it is to switch from the Microsoft platforms. Right, right. You know, so I don't know how they're going to lose that case. I don't know either, but it, it is the government, and you just never know. So, uh, Because with Ma Bell, with, with the phone company... You didn't have a choice. You couldn't go to a different provider back then. There was no other provider. So the last antitrust case of this magnitude was against Microsoft in 1998. The trial centered around the claims that Microsoft illegally grouped its various products together in a way that both stifled competition and compelled people to use its products. So, 
And that was, to me, that was kind of true because, again, we were just talking about uh, the operating system. In 98, that was probably Windows 95, and you had, you really had no choice. I, I think it was uh, Net, uh, oh, what was the Netscape? Was the browser? Oh yeah. The, the, Remember the, the choice that people had was basically Microsoft's version of a browser, Windows browser, um, or Netscape, and people would still opt to go to Netscape. So Microsoft has always had a trust issue when it comes to browsers for whatever reason. People always have wanted to go to other browsers, uh, and in and in and of course other search engines too. So it, that's always interesting. And of course, the U.S. government won that case. So, if I remember correctly, Microsoft got busted mining data way back. Yes, I think that was part of the part of the deal. issue, yep. wasn't it? Yep. So it goes on. Google's exclusive deals with Apple and Samsung. The case against Google focuses on the company paying billions of dollars each year for exclusive agreements with phone makers like Apple and Samsung and web browsers like Mozilla, which runs Firefox. So if you if you add Mozilla or Firefox, which is an you know basically on all Apple devices, right? Um, then your your default search engine is always Google. I didn't realize that Google paid them for that privilege. That's interesting. So this is so maybe there's a few layers that have to get stepped back, but I I can't imagine the government warning of a case that would bust up Google. Well, I, I just can't foresee that. And this is the other thing, right? So if Google is paying these kind of billions of dollars to have access to Apple and Samsung phones, for example, I guarantee you, and this 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 is one of the reasons, and a lot of people don't know this, why like PC prices have tumbled in recent years because companies pay companies that make PCs uh, dollars to have their software installed in there. And generally speaking, it's about a hundred to two hundred dollars worth per C- PC. So if you bought a PC for five hundred bucks, for example, expect that there's about two hundred dollars worth of software on there that you would generally, that you would normally have to pay seven hundred dollars for that. But because of those softwares on there, you're only paying five hundred for it. So it makes these products more competitive. If you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows, visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts. You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with technology. The Tech Ranch. Super Talk 1270. This is Outdoor Issues with Mia Roberts and North Dakota Game and Fish Outreach Biologist Greg Gullickson. Talking field conditions today on Outdoor Issues. And Greg, a nice stretch of weather in early to mid-November really helped to dry things up a lot. Absolutely. Going into deer season, we had snow and moisture across the state. And I do have to say a big thank you to those hunters out there. Respecting that landowners, honoring that posted property out there, respecting roads. I mentioned it before, just because you have four-wheel drive doesn't necessarily mean you should be going down that two-track trail. And there was still a lot of crop needed to come off. And there still is some crop to come off. There still is some bales to get hauled home. So if you're going to be hunting in these waning days of the deer season or enjoying some late season upland or waterfall hunting, just be 
aware of where you're parking out there. Again, garbage is one that really grinds my gears too. Pack it in, pack it out. But hats off to the North Dakota sportsmen and women. They were really respectful this year, given the conditions that we've had. And closing gates is another really important one as well. All right, good stuff, Greg. And hey, we'll have more on late November hunting when we come back. Looking for the perfect gift? Four Bears Casino and Lodge has the perfect answer. A holiday gift package that you can customize for them. Choose from a variety of amenities, such as a night's day, dinner vouchers for cash marketplace, drinks, and most importantly, free slot play. Choose the amount and amenities you want to put in their personalized holiday gift package. Give the perfect gift this holiday season. Call Four Bears Casino and Lodge toll-free at 1-800-294-5454 and ask for Players Club. It's easy to put off saving for retirement, but it can be even easier than you think to start. And once you do, you can feel more confident about your future. As a financial professional of Thrivent, let me help you define your financial goals and take realistic steps to help you reach them. It comes down to making choices about your money that match your values. Because even small steps can get you where you want to go. Contact me, financial associate Andy Laris, at 701-509-5794. Talking late November hunting. And reminder on outdoor issues here today. If you're out there hunting anything, it's a good idea to wear plenty of orange, especially through the 26th at least. Right, Greg? You know, and for a lot of our big game species, especially during the gun seasons, you know, whether it's moose, elk, deer, antelope, you're required to wear those 400 square solid inches of blaze orange and an orange head covering. But even myself, it's best to be seen out there. Even archery hunting in September, I still have a piece of orange in my bag. Same thing with waterfall, especially during deer season. I always have some orange with me. So if another hunter comes across me, I can wave that orange and say, hey, I'm over here. Good stuff, Greg. That'll put a wrap on this report. Until next time, I'm Neil Roberts. You've been listening to Outdoor Issues, brought to you in part by Andy Lairs, your thriving financial advisor in Minot, by Four Bears Casino and Lodge near Newtown, North Dakota, and by Bones Smokehouse and Grill in Minot, now catering. It's Talk of the Town with Steve Bakken on Super Talk 1270. Join Steve weekday mornings between 9 and 11 for interesting local talk and special guests, plus your phone calls. Talk of the Town with Steve Bakken on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. Talk of the Town thanks our sponsors, Dakota Pharmacy, Benchmark Mortgage, Trademark Realty, Silver Ranch, Peak Automotive and Service, and Runnings. Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio. Here's the latest from ABC News. I'm Dave Packer. Day two of the four-day Israel-Hamas ceasefire has been a roller coaster for families of the hostages and prisoners scheduled to be released today. Earlier, Hamas had delayed their release, claiming that Israel was not sending enough aid trucks into northern Gaza, as had been agreed to by the terms of the ceasefire. But now Qatari Egyptian intermediaries say obstacles have been overcome and 13 Israeli detainees and seven foreigners will be swapped for 39 Palestinian prisoners tonight. Hamas leader Osama Hamdan. We have called upon the mediators 
to make the needed efforts to fulfill all what has agreed upon. And so we expect 13 additional hostages to be released today. That according to a list that Israel received overnight. We understand that a significant number of them are going to be children more than yesterday. And we expect the process to play out similarly to yesterday. Hamas will deliver the hostages to the Red Cross. The Red Cross will take them from Gaza into Egypt. Then they'll be bussed into Israel. And after medical checks there, they will finally, after seven weeks, be reunited with their family. ABC's Matt Gutman in Israel. Hamas will deliver the hostages to the Red Cross, as he said. Now, the former Minneapolis police officer convicted of murdering George Floyd was attacked in prison. Sources tell ABC News Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer convicted of murdering George Floyd, is now in the hospital with serious injuries after getting stabbed by another inmate. The Bureau of Prisons only revealing an incarcerated individual was assaulted at the Federal Correctional Institution, Tucson. USAID Administrator Samantha Power says Moscow has jeopardized global food security by attacking Ukrainian agriculture. Since July, the Kremlin's campaign of relentless attacks on Ukraine's Black Sea and Danube River ports have damaged more than 160 civilian infrastructure facilities and destroyed more than 300,000 tons of grain. This is ABC News. Super Talk 1270, Bismarck Area Weather. With your forecast, I'm Corey Hartman. For today, sunshine, a little breezy, 35. Snow is likely tonight, windy with a low of 19. Mostly sunny and windy for Sunday with a high of 26. Winds could gust to around 40 miles per hour tonight and Sunday. Monday, mostly sunny, high of 35. Are you behind on your tax payments? Call Tax Solutions now for help. 800-281-8193. Currently 33 degrees. Fiala, Fiala works it down the right side, played in by Erickson. Delvin to the bench for the extra attacker. A minute to play here in the hockey game. A little centering pass in front. Bouncing puck, they score! Vicarello knocked it ahead. Kaprizov was there. We'll see who gets credit. But with 57.7 seconds to go, the Wild have come up off the deck and tied the hockey game high five. Minnesota Wild Hockey on Super Talk 1270. Your home for high school sports. Super Talk 1270. Listen to the games anywhere with the free Super Talk 1270 app. Download today in the App Store or Google Play. Portions of the following program are pre recorded. Welcome to the Tech Ranch, where we explore the world of living with technology. Get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets, apps, and innovations with your hosts, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, and his trusty co-host, Steve Botkin. Join us on this exciting journey, and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to the Tech Ranch. We are continuing... The top 20 technology, I'm having a hard time talking today. I should have done my exercise. (laughs) (laughs) Say sphere. (laughs) (laughs) I can do that. Say say sphere. Sphere. (laughs) (laughs) You have me second guessing that now. You did. Every time I say sphere, I second guess it Uh now. So you're going to love this. So on the top 20 technology failures of all time, according to Time uh, magazine, uh, number 13, so unlucky 13, is Windows 8. Really? Oh, come on. Did you like Windows 8? 
I don't know if I like Windows 11. Well, okay, I'll give you that. But Windows 8 was like a dismal failure. And well, Windows everybody 7 died. was around for so long. For so long. Everybody, everybody loved Windows everybody 7. Everybody loved Windows 7. It was like it was like the, you know, night, it was, you know, this progression to Windows 7. And it was like Windows 7 was the first time it actually felt like the GUI, the graphic user they interface worked. And yeah, yeah. It was all of that. Right? All the bells and whistles. Yep. But it was deplored by many for its removal of Windows' iconic start button. Windows 8 in 2012 was the biggest rethink of Microsoft's too-big-to-fail computing linchpin since Redmond first slapped a start button in Windows 95. So they took the start button out, which is what drove everybody crazy. Didn't You know, you learned how to navigate, finally, right. in Windows 7, and now they just took it away. Like, how am I supposed to find my stuff now? It's like, where's my compass? So, so Yeah. So, and it didn't do well. Most people just decided. It was very short-lived. Yeah. I mean, it went from Windows 7 and then Windows, and they, you know, 8, and then they just skipped 9. Let's just get as far away from 8 as possible, so let's just go to 10. (laughs) That's what basically what happened, right? So. I think I still have Windows 7. Yeah, you do. So if you, if you start, if you do a fresh install of computer with Windows 7, I think by the time it's done installing, you'll have 18,000 viruses on your computer. Yeah. So there are so many holes in it, and there are so many spiders on the Internet looking for people who are installing this particular operating system that it just infects it immediately. And you can't you can't stop it. You just The only way you can run Windows 7 on anything is if it's not Internet-based, because the, you know, otherwise you're just going to get viruses on Stay it. Stay offline. And you can't... You can't you know, but there are there are things, right? There are pieces of equipment that run, like on Windows Seven or whatever, and people are fine with that, and that's okay as long as you don't have to update it. Then it's all good. Well, there's no support for it anymore that's either. So. Correct. Yes. Yep. Number twelve, MySpace. Oh yes, I want to yes. go back to MySpace. I think yep. I have an account somewhere. I should look to see if I have one yet. I bet I do. Do not ask me what the login is. Do they actually? They don't like disappear, do they? No. Oh my goodness! I, we should we should have like a, a tech ranch MySpace account. Oh geez, <laughs> no, it, it's still there. <laughs> that would be so funny. Follow us on MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> we we should have we should have the person that does our bumpers. You know, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and MySpace. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. I, I just keep thinking of the Brad Paisley song. Oh, that's right. We got to we got to yeah. change those anyway. There's no Twitter anymore. Yeah, it's X. We got to go to X now. X. Follow us on Facebook, X, and Instagram. I guess is what we'll have to do. In MySpace, we have to record all those over again. Thanks, yeah. Elon. Yeah. Are you kidding me? We just got those done because we're not busy enough, right? Can we send Elon the bill for this? I think we should. I think we should as well. We have that everywhere. It's coffee money for him. I seen somebody put out a report. He makes four hundred and seventy dollars a second. Wow! So there you go. It's expensive cup of coffee. Yeah, you know. No uh, actually, I was listening to something this past weekend, and I forget what their workaround was. They stopped saying on Twitter. It was on. Twitter.com, because that still gets you to the same place. Oh, it's just a redirect. Yeah, it's just yeah. a redirect. Yeah. But that 
so everybody knows what Twitter is, not everybody knows what X right. is. It's like, and it's easier to say, and on Twitter. Well, you're just used to it. Yeah. You've been you've been trained for the last. Yeah. 10 so years, if, so if you say follow us on Twitter.com, right, get you the same place. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Good to know. Anyway, MySpace is on the list at twelve. Don't be surprised that the tech ranch has a page on MySpace. We should have a MySpace. I think it'd be hilarious to do that. Well, this is one that we could I bring back MySpace with just you, that. You and I, we could bring it single handedly or duo handedly, however you want to say it. Brought back MySpace. Yeah. Yep. Why not? Why not? I think the music industry still uses it a little bit. A little bit. Well, Brad Paisley does. Alta Vista is number 11 on the list. So let's see. At a time when the idea of retrieving answers to questions by typing a question into a computer seemed like magic, Alta Vista thrived. Founded in 1995, it set the stage for Google, which has become such an incremental part of how we discover information that Googling is part of our vernacular. So there you go. So was Alta Vista more the Google type web based? Or was it more like Clippy? Yeah, it was. I'd say Remember the Clippy? first. Yes. So I no one, Clippy. no one seems to know what. Um, no one seemed to know what to do with Alta Vista, which means it ended up being neglected and was poorly managed over the years. Alta Vista bounced from original comp- parent company Digital Equipment, which Compact bought in 1998. Uh, CMGI the following year bought it, and then Overture in 2003 a company that Yahoo bought later that year. Yahoo officially killed AltaVista 10 years later in 2013, and Google continues to dominate the Internet search landscape. So it's funny that Yahoo ended up with it because Google pretty much killed them too. Right. So Because Yahoo at one time was the more preferred uh, search yeah, and was more prevalent than Google. It's hard so, to believe that. It's hard to believe that, actually. And Google comes along, and I'd say, I don't think it even took two years. And Yahoo was a distant uh, memory. Yahoo Sirius. You know what I think the demise of Yahoo was? That That's movie. It. Which one? With Yahoo Sirius. Oh, probably. Yeah. Nobody could take it serious anymore. No. Yeah. Um, you know, the it's funny that Compaq had it for a while, because I had a Compaq computer at one point. That was horrible. Just, not a good computer. So this is interesting, the next one. And remember that this list that we're using is actually a couple of years old. So 10 on the list is Google Glass. Oh, really? I think they, they were a little... deemed that a favor? or A, a failure. failure. Yeah, you're, I'm, yeah, I'm you're rubbing off, off now. Yeah. If, How would... Failure. It is interesting, right? Because there is no doubt that that, that eyewear is a futuristic thing... And it's not fully developed yet, and they deem it a failure because Google Glass is, you know, more prevalent now than ever. But a couple of years ago, they didn't know what to do with it either. Yeah. It was like, is this taking over heads-up display? Is it, you know, because the technology from a military application was huge. But how do you market that to the public? Where Where's the space that you're going to go make profit off of it? And and they hadn't navigated that yet. The only thing I've ever done in my entire life that got Google's attention, well, maybe not the only thing, but uh, at least on social media-wise, right? I, a couple years ago, on the Tech Ranch, had stated that Google Glass is dead. And I actually wrote uh, part of the post for that show. The postmortem? 
was the oh, <laughs> lever. Look at that. Was was the fact that then and it, it went out as the headline or the subject line for the post, and of course that showed up in Twitter. And I Oops. don't think even twenty minutes went by, and there was a there was a um, comment underneath there that Google Glass is not dead, and it was from Google. They had actually seen that and came in and said that it is not dead, and I'm like, whoa, really. Google responded to that. There's all kinds of stuff out there that that they get bashed for all the time, but they're interested in our little our little talk show. What? Probably some janitor that had access to the account. Maybe so. Yeah, like, <laughs> it couldn't be anybody important. But it's funny that Time had it in here too. So maybe Time read my post too. I don't know. Kind of funny, right? <laughs> yeah, Time based this off of you. Yeah, you, yeah. You brought down Google Glass. I did. We're bringing back MySpace, but you brought down Google Glass. Well, we could bring it back. We we could. Yeah. I mean, if we're being if we're being blamed for it, we should bring it back. Right? Sure, let's yeah, do that. Not? So this next one I have never used. Uh, number nine on the list is Dreamcast. Did Ooh. you ever use it at all? No, I re- I recall it though. So it's Sega's spiral topped candy button swan song console. Was the video game powerhouse buyers didn't know they needed a half a decade too soon. So Japan, released in Japan in 1998 and North America in 1999, it combined home arcade wish fulfillment with a built-in modem for online multiplayer uh, a console first, as well as controllers with second screens years before Nintendo's DS handhelds. But it, it didn't go anywhere. It was mm-hmm. it was it was five years before its time, which is interesting. It's like this is a cool piece of technology. What do I do with it? Yep. That is actually interesting that it did not go anywhere. And you, you think about the gaming industry now and how it's actually bigger than the movie industry. It's like 4X bigger than, than the movie industry is, which is insane when you think about that. I mean, it's like, you know, many, many, many billions of dollars a year. But the gaming industry has starts and stops. It, it, it They'll make a lot of advancement really quick and then kind of sit back on their heels for a bit for a few years and then jump ahead again and then sit back. It's you know, it's an interesting technology space because it's not, there's not a constant arc with it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Eight on the list. Never had one of these. Maybe you did. The Motorola R-O-K-R-E-1. The Roker E1, I would imagine. Maybe that's how it was said. R-O-K-R E1. Apple's iPhone popularized the idea of a phone that doubles as a seemingly unlimited jukebox. Was it the Al Roker? Al Roker. Maybe maybe they had him actually do the advertising for the Motorola. <laughs> I don't know. That would have been interesting. That's one I Al never even heard say, of. Maybe. Yeah. And we're back with the Tech Ranch. Getting ready for more amazing tech insights from the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. So yeah, so this number eight on the top 20 technology failures of all time, according to Time Magazine, uh, the Motorola Roker E1, R-O-K-R-E1. So what made this phone unique, so it came out in 2005, so this is before the iPhone. So I guess if you've never heard of it, it could be considered a failure. I would think you're probably, yeah, yeah. that's yeah, probably I've never heard of this. So it's the first phone. What year? 2005. So I this remember is, where I was at in 2005. So this is I, 
iPods. No, no. Um, yeah, the iPod, right? That played music, right? Or is that what goes in your ears? No, I don't. I'm such an iPhone. Well, there was a couple illiterate. different little digital things. Um, yeah, there was there was the i. Yeah. Like the music player. What, what, yeah. what the heck was that thing called? I forget. I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. I mean, there's the iPad, the iPod, but the pod and is further. Yeah. But the pod is your earbuds, right? Yeah, because I had one. Um, or I played iTunes. Yeah. I mean, you could download music to it. Yeah, it was just a digital. Yeah, it was a music. It was just a digital music player. Like, like and they yeah. were small. They were. They were very it was like small. Like a Sony Walkman. Yeah, almost. Well, they were actually some of them were actually smaller than that. Yeah. But yeah, but they were very similar to that. I actually had a Sony one. I forget what that was called. Oh, this is terrible. I cannot remember the name of these things now. Um, and it, it that device that we're talking about changed Apple. So the fact that you and I can't remember the name of it, everybody's screaming at us like right now, it's the eye. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's the first phone that came out with an iTunes, uh, Apple iTunes software built into it, which is amazing that Apple actually allowed Motorola to license its software because Apple is so about making sure that their stuff stays in their own products um, but it was so sluggish that the device was more or less dead on arrival as critics lamented, uh, lamented the software's sluggish performance and the phone's small storage capacity. Still, it foretold a better future, one in which our phones can summon up nearly any song on command. So so it had that. I mean, it actually kind of brought that forward, but interesting nonetheless. No comment on that at all? I'm still trying to remember what the heck those are called. <laughs> it did change. Those actually changed the fortunes of Apple. Well, it, uh, Apple was struggling. Like right. Crazy. And, 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 and then, then it too, got in the music business. Well, yeah. And because going back to the con conversation on Napster. And so there was the platform. And then you were pretty much tied to your computer at the time. And then some of these mobile digital devices that you could download music to, the, the little MP3 players, that that changed the game. Yep, yep. You know, so it was it was kind of the marriage of the two because you had the platform, but you were tied to your home computer. You're not going to take your home computer to the gym right. or to the beach. So when it got portable, that's when it made a difference. Yeah, absolutely, it did. All right, I'm actually looking it up, if it gives me an answer here. Oh, you don't know what it is yet? I'm still... It's going to bug you, isn't it? Bugging me. It really is. Oh, you got to be kidding me. All Apple Music, play on Apple Music. Oh, my goodness, give me the device name. Apple Watch, no. Wow. All right. All right, we'll figure it out during the break. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um... Yeah, so back to the list now. If I can get back there. <laughs> See, this is what happens. Technology, like, Marlo. Don't go, go too oh, far down to the rabbit yep, hole. I did, yep. So number seven on the list. This one surprises me, actually, is the Segway. Do you consider that a technological fail, a failure? That's the little... It's the, what you roll yeah. around on instead of walking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in, in their article, perhaps no gadget evokes the early turn of the century like the Segway. 
a personalized motorized scooter that riders control by leaning in one direction or another. Designed as a revolutionary new transportation option, Segways have largely been relegated to the realm of mall cop and tour group. So, and you do. That's really the only place I ever see them is like at Disney World or in malls. I mean, they still, I've seen somebody riding them in parades. So that just goes to show you that they're so unique that people still look at them when you're riding them in a parade, right? Paul Blart, mall cop. yeah. Have you ever ridden one? Yes, I have. Yeah, and they have the minis now, too. Have you seen these? And this is the thing. They keep revolutionizing these things. So now there's a mini version of the Segway that kind of straps to your legs. So there's no handle on it. It works really? kind of like a little bit of a hoverboard type of scenario. It takes a little more getting used to, but they're very compact. So that's interesting, right? So this next one is interesting, too. And remember, this list came out a couple years ago. So this is like right before COVID, this list came out. And number six on the list is QR codes. And you can't tell me that QR codes have not made a resurgence. Yeah. They're everywhere now. And I'd say that Q or uh, that the pandemic well, had I, a lot to do with that. I I just had a meeting last week and Set up a business card. Here's my business card. It's a QR code. And the QR codes are now being used for payment systems yep. and everything else. So, so it's interesting that what time thought a couple of years ago was a technology failure has not failed. So I find that crazy interesting, but there was a time and I remember having conversations with people, uh, back in the time when this article came out that you know, why are you putting a QR code on this? Nobody's even using those anymore. We're way past that. You know, we're, we're, we're into object recognition and things like that, which is true. But a lot of people don't know if you give them a business card that, 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 that your photo or an Apple on your card or whatever it is actually activates your phone to do something when you scan it, right? The QR code people automatically know that you need to scan it and that's the difference in my opinion right you so, just you know it, 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 you're you're just trained yep. it's latent i mean if you're if you're going to have something that you need to have scanned on your card and you got to write the word scan me on there that that doesn't seem <laughs> to have to that has, does not have the impact right no it doesn't so, yeah so but now yeah. you don't even think about it you just boom you don't. scan it you don't well um, i i actually with uh parking recently um, for a parking space, QR code. Yeah. You know, download the app for the parking time because you don't go to the box and get the ticket anymore and put in your credit card. It's, everything's QR off the code. app. Yeah. Yeah. With the QR code. Yeah. I just, uh, even in Las Vegas, a lot of the meters there, uh, use a QR code now yeah. and then they text you, you know, so you're actually communicating with the machine with a QR code and you put your, your, uh, phone number in there and then it reminds you hey do you need another hour yeah i'll take another yeah, hour well those are kind of nice books. too because you get that cute you get that text and it goes hey you're about to expire yeah. do you need some more time yeah yep i do yeah thank you yeah. we need the ticket that's exactly right that's exactly right by the way it is ipod it is ipod it is ipod what are the things that you put in your ears then those are i hear i i yeah I something. Are they not? I uh, I swear that they're called iPods. So now I am like totally confused here. Well, and actually Sony 
came out with a digital player. Um, it was just another version of the Walkman. They called it the Walkman before that as well. So that's the one I had. So apparently I was ahead of my time. On the break, I'm going out. But it did play radio too. So I, you know, most of the staff here are Apple users. So we need to find out. Just saying, because I'm, I swear that what you put in your ear is iPods too, right? Are you uh, earbuds? All right, I'm finding out right now. Yeah, it's driving me nuts. All right, you've returned to the Tech Ranch, where technology is our passion. Let's jump back into the conversation with Marlo and Steve. All right, stop screaming at us, everybody. They are AirPods. AirPods. I don't have them because. Well, both you and I are both Android users. Yeah. So. But they still connect the same way. Yeah, I can't do those because. I don't like them either. I'll stick them in my ear and they they don't stay. They don't. Uh, I wonder. I like the over, like the sport version with the over the ear and that, that'll keep things in my ears. I don't know if it's people who are in radio in general, but I see almost nobody in that's actually in the profession of broadcasting that uses in-ear anything. No. It's well, almost, unless, well, it's more the TV stuff, an earpiece. But that's, that's, a, that's an earpiece. Yeah. But those actually, you know, and you know how this works. A lot of people don't realize this, but that earpiece a lot of times or almost all the time is connected to a cell phone. Yeah, and somebody's just telling you, hey, so there's get an your ear, mark. earpiece in in your ear, and there's a cell phone that's connected to the back of your pants, you know, like in the belt area or whatever. That's just there, and uh, you dial a number up, clip it to the back, and and you have this earpiece that's that they're talking you to, uh, because it's actually the best way to communicate that way. You know, like if you're on a football field talking to the booth or whatever. Um, I just see that all the time, and I and especially usually it's a producer. It's like Marla, you're rambling. That's correct. Yeah, just like right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've Steve, done a lot of up. I've done a lot of remotes in in television stations, and that's how they do that there. You know, I'm I'll be talking to somebody in in New York, you know, out of Bismarck, North Dakota, and it's always a producer. And they're just talking to you. All right, you got, you know, you know, we want you to say or ask, they'll ask this question or, uh, and then you answer it. And yeah, it works pretty cool. But well, anyway. you see that a lot on TV. So somebody who's doing an interview, yeah, be talking to somebody and somebody will either be fact checking or they'll be, you know, ask part two of this question right. or, you know, trying to help, you know, they're, they're there to support the interview that's process. Correct. That's correct. That's what it's there. Remember back in the day when they were wired? No. Yeah. They, this is before my time. Well, I that guess. used to be wired. So the earpiece and everything that was would wired. Make sense. Yeah. And the microphones were wired. And so that would all go back to like a control room. Right. And, and wow. So in the controlled setting, it went back to the control room in, uh, uh, like on the sidelines, you'd always have somebody that was there just to carry the wires. Amazing. They would drag the wires around, make sure people didn't trip on them, unplug them. So the sideline reporter yep. always had, you had the wire. In fact, it used to be that way with like the coach with the headphones yeah. on. Yeah, that was all wired at one I point. I suppose, I guess I never really thought about it since I've gotten into radio and a little television. I mean, everything is wireless now. You know, so I've I've never experienced that. Anytime I've been on a remote type of scenario, it's always been the earpiece in my ear with the cell phone. That's all I've ever used. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the producer is is twenty feet away from me, but they're still using a cell phone. 
because it just is easier than stringing a bunch of wire between the two of us, I suppose. Well, it's real time. Yeah. You're not going to get tripped up on a cord. Yeah. It's it's boom, done. Yeah. All right, number five on the list after that long thing. Six was QR codes, which we disagree I with. still don't. It's like that was game change. I remember when those first came out, and it was just... I'm like, what is that? Yeah, I I think the the list literally no, it's is integral. Yeah, it is. So five on the list, which I'm not going to argue with, is uh, the pebble. Familiar with this? Uh, last time I went to the beach, I found one. Okay. Apple and Samsung may have popularized. Wow, the smartwatch. But Pebble led the way beforehand. So Pebble was the first, first company who did smartwatches. It was more of an athletic and, and measured physical stuff, though, wasn't it? Well, okay, so I'll just keep going here. And and this isn't probably true anymore either, but it at the time was. The original Pebble became the most funded Kickstarter product of all time, raising more than $10 million in 2012. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And I know that there's been a couple of Kickstarters since then that have done more than that. But that's still very significant. And the company cultivated a strong developer following with hundreds of third-party apps and watch faces available. Um, but the smart watch market was too small for Pebble to, for, to survive for long, which is amazing again. Probably I think about that. ahead of their time again. Think about that because now... I would say the vast majority of people you run into are wearing a smartwatch. I would have, if you'd have told me five years ago that I would start wearing a watch again, I would say you're full of it. I'm serious. I thought the days of watches were gone. Yeah. It was and look what I got on my hand yep. or on my wrist. And I, I actually broke my smartwatch on my last trip. You broke your nano tracker? It broke. I mean, I, I got off the plane. I looked down and I'm like, what happened to my watch face? How'd you break it on the plane? It was all circuitry. <laughs> Somehow or another, I broke the... Popped I off. The, I don't know. But it was actually, there was actually a cord in there that severed in the whole bit. So I have no idea what I did. Uh, but, you know, but within a day, I'm out buying one because I felt naked without it. It's just crazy how you become attached to these things and how often I use it. But uh, but Pebble was the first smartwatch and got into it probably a little too early. December 2016, Pebble announced it would sell its technology and other assets to Fitbit. Still versions of some Pebble's okay, early ideas can be found in today's top smartwatches. So they sold off to Fitbit. Yeah, that was the connection I made because pebble and the fitbit oh sure fitbit was all hey this is about fitness and yep. that's that hey you're a runner or yep. track this at the gym and and that's where you know because now pretty much every smart smartwatch does that so yep. fitbit kind of ushered in that so it was pebble fitbit and then the explosion of smartwatches that hey i can text you and you don't even have to have your phone and you can just look at your wrist and and I don't know how people do that because I can't see that small. <laughs> yep. So this one I remember well, but I bet you will have no clue what I'm talking about. Number four on the list is the daily. Do you remember this? The day, like the John Daly? D A I L Y, the daily. Was that a, uh, like a, Topical form thing or something. I, good guess. 
I've heard it. I don't recall what it is. Launched with hype and hoopla during the honeymoon period following Apple's original iPad reveal, the Daily, a News Corp-backed digital first newspaper, Aha. featured flashy graphics, embedded video, and new ways for readers to interact with stories. But the e-paper required a paid subscription that was arranged through the iTunes store, and revenue was split between Apple uh or with Apple, a model that proved unsustainable. While the daily shut down after less than two years, many media outlets are still looking to mobile devices as the future, though profitability remains a largely uncracked nut, which is true. I mean, it's um, the digital age has killed off newspapers. There's just no doubt about it, and they're still trying to figure it out. Newspapers killed off newspapers. So and here's my premise. Okay. When newspapers started to figure out that there's a digital path, instead of embracing it fully and going completely down that road, they clung to the thing that was the most cost prohibitive, the printing press. Right. right. So if you jump, jump all the way in that case from a technology perspective, but you can't do both. That That's just one of those... There's no hybrid model that works. You, it's you, just you, really a challenge. Because now when you're bringing down um, the numbers of – because to operate a full printing press is expensive. But when you're cutting off a bunch of that market share, that revenue stream for that one thing and trying to push people over to the other, the digital revenue stream, now you've got – two spaces competing against each other for the same dollars. And that just doesn't work because the cost of the printing press and the space and all of that, that's what's cost prohibitive. So you can do one or the other, but you can't do both. Are there any, are there any seven day newspapers left in the country? Do you know there has to be some somewhere? New York Times, Washington Post. I don't know. I, I I assume they are. I would assume so too, but... Wall Street Journal, that's five days. I, I would have never dreamed that even in the town that you and I live in that we would not have a seven-day paper, and we don't anymore. No. So that was just a shocker to me when that happened. And, and Three if you're lucky, four sometimes. And I the guess. one that amazes me is that we don't have a Sunday paper, which is to me where the revenue is for a newspaper because of all the ads that would go in there, but they stopped doing that too. So, yeah, it's interesting to see the demise of the newspaper. And when they took out the comics, that was kind of <laughs> that was the end of it. Huh? I had to read my Hagar the horrible. Yeah, that's true. but if you if you take a look at so look at the 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 input costs versus the output. And that's the problem with the oh, yeah, paper industry. There, the input there's no, cost. There's no doubt about it. And in our newspaper, in our town, look at the footprint in the building alone. Yeah, huge. And then you go inside and where's everybody? Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, they, had, they had a huge dedicated room just to the press. Yeah, just, huge press. just the bullpen. Yeah. And gone. I remember when they remodeled or when they moved to the building that they're in and they brought the new press in on a rail car. Yeah. That's just how big it is. Why there's rail lines running up to that building. Yeah. Amazing. But that's the, there's no, there's no financial solution for that because that's a cost intensive industry 
that you can't do both. Right. Because the print, the ink, the press itself, the labor to operate that, even though a lot of them are automated now, just they don't, you're competing for the same dollars against yourself. Yep. It just doesn't work. Yep. Number three on the list, MapQuest. I remember MapQuest. Oh, and it's still there. You can still go to the website and do this. But I remember, like, when I go on a road trip, I'd go on MapQuest. I'd print out the map. Print out the maps. I did that too. All of that, you know. And I, I and I'm such a map geek. I loved MapQuest. I did too. I and you know what? MapQuest. I don't think ever drove anybody off a cliff. I think you're right about that. I but never thought about that. Despite that, and people jest about it, but Google Maps that that's a thing. Not MapQuest. No. Because it was it was replicating actual maps. It was. But yeah. also construction and alternative routes and you know the what I liked on MapQuest was the time feature because you could map out with stops and I I'm probably gonna have to take a potty break here and let the dogs out yep. here and stop for food here. You could plan an entire large trip pretty accurately on a time wise. I, I love the time feature on that because it factored all that stuff in. You know, you know, think about Google Maps and it takes so long to drive to point from point A to point B. I may have a little bit of a heavy foot. And Google Maps really doesn't compensate for that time. Right. It's like if I'm doing 80 down the interstate versus the posted speed limit of 75, it's going to get me there in 75. It doesn't correct in route either. Right. right. So if I know I got to be someplace and I'm running late and I, and yeah, I, I miss MapQuest. I do too. <laughs> I, just, I do too. I just, and yeah. I, I love, you know, and the fact that it, it actually, I mean, I know that, uh, Google Maps, whatever does this too, but the fact that you could print them out and it would have like the printed instructions to turn right here and yeah. and go 82 miles. Separate and, page. Oh yeah, I just I thought it was so clever how they did that. Now you know? did you put that page with the step-by-step directions on the front when you stapled it together or the back <laughs> when you stapled it? I was always paper clipping instead. Oh, so, you were paper- yeah. yeah. Okay. So, it was, but usually on the front, yeah. Windy day, paperclip fails. Yeah, okay. You can, you can go with your staples. I'll stay with my paperclip. But the one thing with MapQuest, though, big difference between printing it out in color and printing it oh, out yeah. in black and yeah, white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Black and white is like, oh, I missed that. Pretty dull. Yeah. 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 But the color printout is pretty good. So number two on the list, I'm going to be surprised if you've ever heard of this. It was called Virtual Boy. Yep, failure. Nintendo's Virtual Boy, released in 1995, was a a physically uncomfortable mess of a game system. It wasn't even virtual, instead offering a crude tabletop version of what viewers now routinely, routinely, boy, I need to get some new glasses or something, of what viewers now routinely experience when they pop up stereos. 3D glasses at the movies. I think that was more a case of marketing than anything else. And they just needed to come up with a name that sounded cool. You're probably right. 
Welcome back to the Tech Ranch. Let's get back to discovering the latest in technology with the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. So Virtual Boy got the public thinking about virtual reality decades before true virtual headsets like the Oculus Rift arrived. Okay. Well, think back when it was, and it's just, okay, it sounded cool. It's something new. It's cutting edge. But I... I, I I think it was just a marketing tool. It was just, that was all it was because it wasn't virtual. It wasn't. So have you seen one of these? I saw one. I did. So I want you to remember what it looked like. Here you go. Oh yeah. Yep. What kind of neck muscles did you need to have oh, to hold this thing huge. up? This thing's bigger than your head. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like... You strapped it on over your eyes. Small car on your face. It's and crazy how big this thing is. You swung around, you take out three people. <laughs> It's just, it's just huge. Yeah. Compared to an Oculus, you know. Yeah. And, well, and people know, you know, an Oculus is basically the size of goggles. Yes. Yeah, you know, pretty much. Yeah. And that thing was. It's huge. Yeah. That's all I can say about it. All right. We're here of the top 20 technology failures, failures of all time, according to Time Magazine. All right. By the run, way. Run, run through the list real quick. All right. So there's 20 of them. This list is from 2017, by the way. So we're actually dating some the list. Some we agree, some we don't That's agree correct. with. correct. So 20 on the list was Napster, 19 Blackberry. Again, we don't consider that a failure. It's just timed out, basically, right? Right. 18 AOL. Again, not a failure, just timed out. Yeah. Palm Pilot, maybe a failure, but it came out in 1997. But that was number 17 on the list. 16 Betamax. Just lost the war with VHS. Fifteen. I think was, that's what Palm Pilot did too. They just lost the war yeah, with, with Blackberry, Blackberry right? Uh, the fifteen is the GM EV one. So again, this article written in two thousand seventeen. That was I an mean, electric vehicle way before its time. Nineteen ninety six to nineteen ninety nine, and the only way you could really charge them is by plugging them into the wall. But people loved these cars. These 2,000 people that got this car did not want to give them back. There was actually a, I think it was a 60-minute special. You would have killed for the ability to just plug it into the wall when you were in Vegas last night, wouldn't you? Yeah, I killed. 14 on the list, Netscape. 13, I would have probably ranked this higher, (laughs) Windows 8. (laughs) (laughs) Number one fail of all time. That's where that should go. 12 is MySpace. I don't know if I call that a failure. Just It was just a precursor to they, the they social lost media. The yeah, they lost it to Facebook. They lost the war to Facebook. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, they were what, a year, year, year and a half out yep. earlier than yep. that? Yeah. Alta Vista lost the war to Yahoo and eventually Google. You know, I mean, they were the first search engine that was out there. That was on number 11, came out in 1995. Probably single-handedly uh, took out AOL. You know, Alta Vista, when you think about it. Number 10, Google Glass. Don't agree with that. I don't know about you. I think Google Glass is... Yeah, that's still around. You know, the Alta least, Vista and I got... Alta uh, uh, Vista. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't get that on my head. Number 9 is Sony or Sega's Dreamcast, which was a game console that uh, came out in... 98, Well, you 99. remember the Game Council Wars back in the day? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. They still the have them. Sega. Really. Sega. Yeah. You know, Sega, oh, yeah. Sega yeah. Genesis yeah. And, Sega, and, and Nintendo and it, it's there, the Wii. And the, the, I mean, there were some knockdown oh, drag yeah. out. Absolutely. 
Atari tried to make a comeback. But they're all, it, this, it's, so, it's such a big money, you know. Yeah. So Number eight on the list, the Motorola Roker E1, which was the first cell phone that actually offered music, playable music. Yeah, I don't remember that 19, one. Excuse me, 2005. So this is a couple of years before the i. Um, iPod. phone came out and it was, but it, the, the iPod already was out. This was now somebody thinking, Hey, we could do something more with a phone to make phone calls and text. See, now I want to go back so to those days. I do too. Yeah. Seven on the list is the Segway. Six on the list is QR codes. I mean, which, come on, they did a movie off of that. You yeah. can't call it a failure when that is true. I mean, you can call. Paul Blart model cop a failure, but but they did do a movie because of the Segway. That is true. Six is QR codes, and again, this was in 2017 before the pandemic. QR codes, of course, have made a huge comeback. You know what? I think they exploded in part because of the pandemic. I, 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 I try to look for things the glass half full with that whole. Couple but there's of years no doubt. I lost. mean, no menus, right? So then right. you had to scan to QR get a menu, code you know, on every table. Yeah, look at all the restaurants that have a tabletop. Still have them. Yep. Still, Still have them. Not going away either because, gee, it's a lot cheaper and I can change the menu That's a lot the big cheaper deal. than having to print out a menu. Yes, big deal. Five is the Pebble Watch, was which was the first smartwatch eventually bought by Fitbit. I think it had just evolved. Number four is the Daily. This is the first newspaper that came out. They thought they were going to just change the world and, and share the revenue with Apple because it was an iPad uh, uh, type of thing. The revenue with iPad with Apple killed them, actually, when they had to share that. Three, MapQuest. Again, not a failure because we still use it. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I like I, it. I haven't used it in a while. I look at it occasionally for directions online. See, I'll have to do that when I get home today. Number two is Virtual Boy, which was the precursor yeah. to Oculus, which which basically would, uh, I mean, it, if as, Huge an, failure. as an exercise equipment piece to build up neck muscles, yeah. perfect for that. All right, number one on their list, and this does surprise me. Are you ready? The TiVo. TiVo? TiVo. One of the first digital record, video recorders or DVRs to come to market and a brand so successful it became a verb. TiVo to this day puts out some of the best set-top boxes on the planet. But the company is on this list because it played nice when it should have dominated for instance, instead of suing when cable companies rolled out their own DVRs, TiVo waited to see if they could work out a deal because it was reliant on the TV providers. So because they, I guess, didn't man up to the scenario, they, they put them as their number one uh, failure. Okay, so going back to this entire list, then there's a financial component, a, a marketing component, a a success in the marketplace component yes. to this list. Yep. Because I my cable TV remote, it's got a little TiVo button on it. Yeah. It's TiVo's TiVo. Yeah. I mean it didn't go anywhere, no. but from a from a commercial perspective, it could have done more. Yes. It could have made more. So when you're looking through this list, there is a marketplace component for success versus failure. Yep. Yep. Tivo did sue and won $1.6 billion in the lawsuits. Chump change. But considering what that many consumers think Tivo went out of business in the end, did it really win? But they did popularize DVRs. Okay, but my cable company is still using the Tivo name because it's on the remote. 
TiVo. So and then that's the lawsuit part of it that they eventually won out, and I would imagine they get a they got a little licensing you know deal out of that yeah. part of it now so here's yeah. your booby prize there you go congratulations <laughs> yeah you, you still lose yeah you still lose you're out of business but uh here's your concy yeah, prize right. go have a nice day yeah exactly uh, but uh, you know dvr that think of what that did to the media space you know from i mean I would prefer to watch a show. I hate commercials. Yeah. I, I would prefer to record a TV show and then go back and watch it without the commercials. I've never used a DVR. Really? Never. Oh. Not once. You can get rid of all the commercials. I never. Awesome. I just I never really watched that much TV, so that's just how it was. But yeah, this has been fun. Yeah, but today. movies, whatever it is. Yeah. It just, yeah. I just stream or watch discs, I guess, back in the day. You can watch uh, an hour show in 35 minutes. It's great, isn't it? And that's a wrap on another fantastic episode of The Tech Ranch. Remember, if you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows, visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts. You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with technology. 